I would say do what you have to do to to make the jump if you think like only hardcore travel counts but I'm so scared um take any expectation you have about like what quote like real or like you know challenging enough I don't know take kind of any prestige or fake like ego out of it and if you're really that scared about going somewhere off the beaten path go to London go somewhere easy go somewhere in the U.S. if you're not or Canada go somewhere that feels easy to you and then go to the next place from there but I, I don't even like to say it's as good as it looks because I honestly feel like it's better than it looks online. Like Every Monday, I'll be joined by guests to talk about their travel stories, travel tips, backpacking advice, and so much more. Right now, I'm taking the podcast on the road traveling with me. So tune in every week for short form episodes detailing all my travels alongside my Monday guest episode. Are you a backpacker, gap year student, or simply someone who loves to travel? then this is the podcast for you, designed to inspire you to travel. There'll be stories to tell, tips to share, and experiences to inspire. Welcome to the show. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode, where I'm joined by Kayla Erig from the Writing From Nowhere blog. Kayla has a manuscript in the works for a book called How To Be A Digital Nomad. So we're going to talk about the said book, and it's out on January the 3rd. So we've got a lot of questions. Really excited to talk about that and Kayla's travel today. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, James. Thanks for having me. I'm great. Tell listeners, where are you in the world right now? Right now, I'm in the north of the Netherlands. So the Groningen province, but the uh, no one, if you've heard of it, I would be shocked. The village of Herkstede. <laughs> I have not. <laughs> no, no, no one has. <laughs> Even though I'm from Norwich, across the water, I've not heard much of the Netherlands or Holland's countryside. You hear about the big places, right? Yeah, yeah, even the even the city, like, like Groningen is a huge, is, I mean, it's a major city, but um, if it's not Amsterdam or Den Haag, you know, no one really has has, a, has visited, but those who have have nice things. I mean, it's a lovely place, but uh, yeah, everyone goes to Amsterdam, of course. Of course. Is it Groningen, you say? Yeah, it's like Groningen would be kind of the English, so I'm American, yeah. I'm sure people can probably hear that. I, I yeah. didn't pronounce it like a Dutch, <laughs> but it's like, a, it's the hairy G in Dutch, the Groningen, you know. Probably I can't in. say that. Horn, yeah, yeah, I'm sure I'm not. If somebody's listening who's Dutch, they're probably wincing. So uh. <laughs> <laughs> I do have quite a few Dutch listeners. Yeah, so we're keen to get oh, a no. reaction to that. <laughs> Cover your ears. <laughs> I'll say no more. All I know is it's a football team, I think. That's all I know. They're a football team, right? Oh, yeah. They're playing green. Might make it up. Oh, is that a color? Is that the color? No, uh, they're the, the Groningen FC. Uh, I don't know the color. I don't do uh, sports. Oh. But I hear them, I hear whenever they're winning or losing, you can kind of, if you're in the, in the neighborhood, you like hear everybody screaming from the stadium. So <laughs> Every week, without fail. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So as you said, you're American. So yes. tell the listeners, where did you grow up? I grew up in Pennsylvania, which is in the Northeast. I grew up on a suburb of Pittsburgh. So oh. Pittsburgh has a lot of sports teams. So I feel like maybe that's uh, something that people know the name Steelers? of. Yeah. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Gets that's in there. American football, and then yeah. there's the Pittsburgh Penguins, which is hockey, ice hockey. So uh, we actually do have a, a, like a football soccer team, uh, but no one, you know, poor, poor American soccer players, you know, they'd be famous in any other place, but yeah. in the US, people are like, play a real sport, you know? Yeah. <laughs> what Americans don't realize, it is a world sport. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I know. But I played soccer for 12 years, so I respect I respect the game. I was going to say women's soccer in USA is huge. Uh, it's like that they're, they're normally the best team in the world, right? So yeah, uh, not this year, big. but let's not dwell. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Bad tournament. 
Uh, no, also no. with football or soccer in the USA, the upside of them not really even recognised is they don't get pestered. If they go and play in Europe, like in Guanagan, for example, and play for the team, they're probably going to get noticed in the, in the street, right? And yeah. I reckon a lot of players, even famous players, go to USA like, oh, do you know what? I can just walk to the shop and maybe one person might know me, but at least I can walk around and be a normal human being. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's a nice, actually, silver lining. Yeah, apart from Messi, though, because he's obviously the best ever, but he gets hammered. I would not know him to pick him out of a lineup. There you go. Proof the point. <laughs> American in a party of one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you grew up in uh, Pennsylvania. I did drive through there, I think, on a road trip okay. this year. You probably uh, hit some potholes. Worst roads in the country. But not as bad as Canada. So you, you're doing all right. No, Canada. We always assume everything's fixed up there. It's like the fixed, fixed. version of the US. Yeah, the, where things work. <laughs> where things roads don't work. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. Yeah. I think it must be something to do with weather, right? It must get like super. The freeze thaw yeah. destroys roads. Yeah. 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 That's, that's great if you're building roads, constant work. Yeah. Win win. It's a good, good industry. Yeah. If you don't want to travel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which we're going to get onto later because we all want to travel pretty much. I think who listens to this uh, podcast. So, my first question, early doors, was there any travel in your family that maybe ignited a bit of wanderlust? Yeah. Yeah. Growing up, we traveled a lot in the US. So, we did big road trips. Um, like, we would drive all the way, like from Pennsylvania to Arizona, which is oh, I wow. don't know, maybe 2,000 miles. Um, yeah, it's 20 hours of straight driving. Mm -hmm. And I can remember one time specifically, we did it in a day um, because we had to, <laughs> my mom, well, my parents were hosting Easter and they had to have the Easter ham in the oven. And it was like, we would just blew through and we would be at, you know, you're at a diner because, you know, as, as you do whenever you're on a road trip in the U.S. is you like fuel up at diners because they're open 24 seven. I yeah. remember being there and my dad asking, what state are we in? And they're like, what state? You know, and he's like, we've got to get home for the Easter ham. You know, we've got to get it in the <laughs> oven. <laughs> so, uh, but we did a lot of road tripping in the U.S. My parents, yeah, we would go kind of every summer and go take a trip somewhere new, go to South Dakota, Florida, you know, just we would decide as a family, we would sit down and my mom would ask like, well, what do you want to see? And uh, there's always kind of the kid answer of like, I want to go to the beach. But then it's like, yeah. okay, think of something else. Like, do you want to go see like this national park or go back to see this family member on the other side of the country? And we covered, I don't know, maybe half the states that way as a kid. Oh, wow. And then I moved Amazing. around my first two years out of university. I, I moved across the country twice, like twice from side to side and then i ended up seeing all like 44 states by the time i was i left the u.s so i was 24 whenever i left the u.s and went traveling so i was six years ago i'm 30 now and i saw 44 states by that point but nothing international so i didn't have like maybe the i, I had the confidence knowing like i see it I can go to it. I had that mindset of travel down, but I didn't have any like confidence in my ability to navigate. I was like, really, I mean, I'd never been somewhere where the English wasn't spoken. Yeah. I had never uh, dealt with traveling alone without a car. I'd always had a car and been driving. So I had no, I mean, I guess I did have confidence because I believed, you know what, I can go to that thing that I see online. I can buy a yeah. ticket and go there. I had that confidence, but I was not a confident traveler. I was so nervous and I was legitimately terrified to go to a place where I couldn't speak the language. I thought I'm like, this is like a thought that has run through my head so many times. It's like, this is how I die. You're like waiting for the bus and you don't know if it's your bus and you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? I'm going to get stranded. It's like, this is how it all ends. <laughs> <laughs> it always spirals right there in my mind, but you know, you figure it out. 
out and you do catch the wrong bus and you do get stranded like I've had to squat in a parking garage once overnight you just deal with it and then that's like the best thing gift travel can give you is the realization that like you can handle like if you do, literally if you don't like end up in the hospital and even then I mean been to the hospital in several countries you know, you'll, <laughs> you'll be all right you just have to get through get through to the morning it teaches like real life skills right um how many life skills it's amazing dealing with people or uh, communicate with someone in a different language or trying to imitate what you're trying to say like it it really is like I think the best education um, but it's a recurring theme for a lot of Americans I interview is they do quite a few road trips maybe not as extensive as yours 44 states is a heck of a a number because USA is just built for driving that's what we've done this summer yeah. and, and Canada as well to extent but USA is a rest stop every 60 50 60 miles right you can just take it easy it really is built for driving so if anyone's listening right now, I would highly recommend, and I'm sure you would as well, Kayla, that a road trip in any states in USA is definitely worth doing. Yeah, it's the way to travel. Um, don't go to Nevada. Worst, worst stay in the country. <laughs> Least attractive stay. I would not say road trip anywhere. Like, you don't even see roadkill in Nevada. And I feel like, you know what, I drove, <laughs> I've been from side to side to side of the US. I say mm-hmm. this with confidence. You don't, don't just drive anywhere, you know. <laughs> skip nevada even pennsylvania is kind of boring nebraska nebraska has more than nevada wow that's that's my metric no but the, <laughs> you you it's just such a good experience and like the diner culture and yeah you know and all like the weird attractions it's like world's largest rosebush 20 miles yes. and i have seen the world's largest rosebush because you know why there was a big sign on the side of the highway that told me yeah. that if i drove for 20 miles I, you just like get into this funny rhythm of like is this miniature ceramic village third biggest in the world is this yeah. worth visiting and yeah. like your partner's like no, let's skip this one because we're going to see the next biggest one. Okay. You know, it's the weirdest things on the billboards and I'd have never seen it anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. So you're right about that. Yeah. We stopped randomly at the, I think the geographic center of the USA, but then you go on Google and you, oh, there's three of them. Oh, what does that mean? There's like different definitions, <laughs> right? Of like North America or USA or mm. mainland USA. There's oh, like three different yeah. ones. So we stopped at one, got the photos and flags, and I guess that's true. <laughs> so you do find <laughs> those like randomly on the street, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, and the world's biggest, like world's, uh, what was the one? World's uh, Christmas tree capital. Oh. I have pictures of those. Where's yeah. that? Pennsylvania. Indiana, Pennsylvania. That's where actually I went to university. But you see the sign and you, you think, wow, it must be this big thing. It's literally like a field of Christmas trees. They just made that up. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. there's no there's no one who goes around like vetting the different Christmas tree farms. <laughs> <laughs> it's so quintessentially American. Yeah. And it's so I don't know. It's I to me, it's really nostalgic. I kind of miss the gimmicky things like that. Yeah, sometimes. it's unique and nostalgic. You're right. I think it's like sure. here's another gothic cathedral i'm like that's really <laughs> nice but where's the, the like pony miniature pony capital of <laughs> but we say that christmas valley do you know what that is in oregon no. oh and we're like oh christmas valley might be nice no middle of the desert there's a, there's a, there's a wild <laughs> fog like blown across smoke no christmas oh, trees okay. and windy uh, okay yeah we'll, we'll, we'll go next morning two three hundred people maybe in that village imagine this and i want people to imagine it you are driving for hours through yes. the state so we come from east mm. to west and you just go through nothingness and then suddenly it's like a little settlement there and that's where we stayed and we couldn't believe how far away from anything but like how desolate and yeah especially in oregon oregon's great but it's got a desert side to the east right a bit shocked by yeah. that yeah 
same with Washington and California. The West Coast is yeah, really yeah. beautiful, but it's really intense. Like, uh, like Washington State has all four. It has rainforest. It has desert. It has yeah. mountains. Um, I forget. There's like four climates that all exist there in the state yeah. and nowhere else in the U.S. And uh, I used to live in Washington. And yeah, that last drive is the worst. It's like you're, you think, "Welcome to Washington. I'm so close." And then it's like boom, desert, and yeah, there's like yeah. tumble weeds hitting your car. And then uh, all of a sudden, it's like avalanche warning and you think where am i <laughs> it's like up and down and you know there's not always avalanche but there are like in winter every day there's an avalanche yeah. and yeah, they yeah. close the mountains and you're close just like mountains, sitting yeah. there in your car and you're like i hope i survive this you know and of course it's never as dramatic as all that but it feels very dramatic if you didn't grow up around you know enormous amounts of snow that can crush you <laughs> yeah and then equally as exciting or terrifying as you go further south and you've got the fires that can just close roads oh, but we we approached yeah. a, a road and something's closed off like there like you know been two minutes like what's going on cars turn around they closed off fire was going on so oh yeah best we turn around and go somewhere else i think that was in sort of like new york state like upper state so that's a bit, a bit weird but yeah mm. a couple of roads closed off you got you really get in america you get the the full array of different types of i guess seasons but things to do with nature i think it's extreme it's dramatic i guess that's yeah. kind of a nice it's kind of applies to everything but it really applies to nature <laughs> you're right and just quickly before we go on to international travel the six states that you've not been to oh um of course hawaii and alaska oh yeah. um mississippi louisiana and north dakota <laughs> does anyone go to north dakota yeah they okay. sell t-shirts that say number 50 that's the okay. joke that people yeah, yeah. just go there to check it yeah. off check it off yeah. um yeah I've been to South Dakota like four times but you would Mount Rushmore yeah 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 I saw it as a kid and then passing through on road trips but oh yeah I just can't make my way to North Dakota I mean someday you know theoretically no who am I kidding I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, never no, no, no. <laughs> up to that point U.S. travel only so in your mind before we get into the sort of like digital nomad stuff international travel what are you thinking in your mind like is maybe the first like two or three countries that you might go for if you like if you're a bit bit nervous about it but what are you thinking at that point uh I feel like something in Southeast Asia I was thinking Thailand yeah. or maybe Vietnam right these are the countries that everyone speaks really highly of yeah and uh I didn't I still have not made it to Asia actually oh. um okay. but uh I wanted to start with Mexico because I thought uh I I was afraid of traveling Mexico and I thought yeah. if I am not willing to visit my own neighbor and I have been to Canada. Okay. You're not Canadian though. Cause Canadians are like, why Mexico, not Canada? You know, somebody asked me that recently on another podcast and I had to defend my choice. So I will say I've been <laughs> to Canada, but I had never been to Mexico. And I thought if I'm too afraid to navigate my own neighbor, then I am not ready to like move on. So I, yeah. I still have not made it to Asia, but I've been to Mexico, spent months in Mexico and had a really, really wonderful time okay yeah I give the maybe not advice but I've asked this question a few times like yeah I would maybe go somewhere like Ireland or UK because I know it's a long-haul flight but that's good you can tell that, that might be distressful for anyone doing a long-haul flight but at least yeah. when you land you've got English spoken so maybe go dip your toes in somewhere a bit nicer to the language and a bit more closer to the culture as a way to step into international travel but Mexico is a great shout yeah amazing food amazing people yeah. so I think it does have oh, reputation yeah. in dangerous though you're right 
Yeah, and I, especially living far north in the U.S., we didn't have any, uh, as far north as I lived, to my memory, I had no influence from Mexican culture. And okay. then you move to other parts of the country and you see the food and the, the music, and then there's just lots of, like, Latinos in general, mm -hmm. not um, just from Mexico, but you see a lot of the influence and um, none of that positive, none of that reached, you know, my experience living in Pennsylvania, but I always knew that there was more to Mexico than like the little things you hear on the news. I would have, you know, I never believed that that was all of it, but I also mm. didn't know like what there was. And yeah. um, I just decided that I had to start with, you know, facing, I thought I'm afraid of going somewhere else with the language. I'm afraid of going somewhere that's, you know, maybe has like dangers that I'm not familiar with because mm -hmm. it's not fair to think of other countries. If you're American, it's not fair to think of other countries as dangerous. We have so much <laughs> crime. True. We do. I mean, uh, some countries are truly really safe, like the Netherlands. I've lived here, or I, I did live here for five years, and yeah, people here are not used to the fear of violent crime yeah. at all in their mm -hmm. lives. So it's quite scary for them to go anywhere because the crime level is always higher, I think. But yeah. for Americans, I think, you know, we look past all of that in our own community and say, hey, this is still a great place for these reasons. So uh, you should be able to look past it in other places. That was my philosophy. Yeah, you're right about the crime thing. USA, I was actually a bit nervous going on a road trip across uh, Canada, which I had no concerns. Going to USA, I was like, oh, we're going to drive through some states. We have no idea what's going on. A bit of nerves came in. It was actually all right. You know, there's nothing going on until the very last night, and I got a bit, bit intense. So we had to like drive back across the border. <laughs> Glad it happened, not at the start. Like this guy, just, yeah. And, and the rest stop was like saying the most awful things, threatening people on the phone, and yeah, uh -huh. like the worst you can imagine. So I was like, okay, yeah, we probably should just go and that's a Washington State actually, it's near um, near Bellingham. Mm, shame. So, oh, let's just go to Blaine oh, yeah. and and then get out of here but yeah i just think it can take over the fear it's a it's a big yeah. thing but you're right about yeah. americans going somewhere like europe yeah europe gets a lot of attention in news i get it but like places like netherlands uh scandinavia ireland spain i'm like oh just there's nothing going on it's a dream no and americans always tell every, each other be careful it's yeah. like yeah, yeah you're driving yeah. home and they say hey be careful text me when you get there um yeah. and i kind of started to be sensitive to that visiting home and, and people i would say oh we're going to paris you know tomorrow and yeah. we're leaving and going to paris on our way back and people say oh be careful and i started to get a little bit snap like sensitive snappy like you be careful because uh the odds of something bad happening are much higher here <laughs> yeah then well maybe not Paris I don't know specifics and I'm not trying to get like because you can't get down to the real like numbers of like well you Paris has 2.1 murders per cap and you have 2.2 and that <laughs> yeah. means it, yeah. it's, it always comes down to so many other factors of like where you're staying it comes down to like class and wealth and so many things that like statistics alone could never communicate and it comes but it's very complicated but i do feel sensitive to this belief that other places are dangerous and uh or that other you know that other places you can understand with a little bit of information like mm. the u.s to an out to the outside is like don't go there it's really crazy people shoot yeah. each other over like yeah. uh you know oh somebody doesn't hold the door open for you and they shoot you and uh i think it's almost fair for people because of how much of that news comes over like in my i'm in my in-laws house right now in the netherlands and you know the news is on and it's like oh yeah someone accidentally blew leaves on someone's yard and they got shot and 
And then Americans don't even, I think like the news about Paris, I'm like, well, what's dangerous about Paris? And they can't think of anything. It's just, it's not even specifics. It's yeah. just this fear. And I get it because there's a culture of fear in the US and maybe Canada as well. I don't want to speak for Canada, but I, maybe that's more of like a North American. Um, I'm not sure. But uh, it's all a bit complicated. I feel like to understand the world, to understand your own culture, you have to leave it. You can't fully mm -hmm. understand it mm -hmm. until you leave and look at it from the outside and feel how you feel in a different culture. And uh, it's kind of this constant, like, internal dialogue of like, wow, that made me feel this way. And I wonder why. And, you know, I like this better. And oh, I had no idea that there was another way. It's like one of, it's one of the beautiful things about traveling. I think, yeah, the paranoia is, is real, uh, but whether that's yeah. uh, USA as an example or just travel in general is a huge, huge issue for a lot of people going abroad. And when I tell people some of the countries I've been to, they're like shocked. Like, oh, wow. Oh, tell me which, what's your shock country? Do you have one in particular? No, I, I don't think it is. But uh, I went to Lebanon this year. Now. Oh, sure. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to watch news every day. Uh, mm -hmm. especially what's going on now which is horrendous mm. uh lebanon is not too far away from that and they're probably uh yeah. involved somewhere along the line up north there there were some rockets that they after left but in my time there with people never once did i feel maybe a bit yeah. edgy some places but not dangerous not properly dangerous uh to give you an example i was more nervous going to usa than it was lebanon so that tells you yeah. how fear can grip you right which some people might find crazy but yeah it's something people need to get over yeah and it's hard you know things are gonna go wrong but that's like just kind of life's pothole highway you know you're driving down it no matter where you are like your credit card might get stolen or you might lose it no matter where you are and you might get sick and that's really scary mm. but um and things will go wrong if you stay abroad long enough everything that would have happened to you at home will happen to you abroad yeah yeah and course. that's scary yeah, yeah. it is it's, <laughs> it's it's okay to be scared like uh if you like stay, yeah, anyone who stays abroad long enough is going to get like get the flu or like a urinary tract infection, like something that just happens every once in a while. Okay, every woman can relate to that. Like yeah, the day course. you get a yeah. UTI in another country, that's, you know, it, it's very scary. And being sick is also a very scary thing. There's a lot of stuff to be afraid of, but I hope it doesn't stop too many people because I don't think that those are the things that ruin your trip. No. Your experience. It's not the UTI. It's, it's you know rain <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah it's the bad weather yeah yeah if you yeah if you say something long enough you're just gonna experience everything right i even here been here four or five years and some of the stuff here i've seen i've never seen anywhere else but that's just because i've been here long but before yeah. you went to mexico what were you doing as a job career-wise i was a marketer so i was doing graphic design basically for an architecture firm in chicago and i was kind of like living the life you know i was 23 i was living alone for the first time ever and uh that was like a big wealth milestone and i <laughs> uh had a job where i could like afford like the clothes i was supposed to wear because i was working for a nonprofit before that for a year for the okay. american red cross and i like you know i feel like i was like playing dress up as like a recently graduated student from university i'm like i'm like buying the cheapest blazers i can you know to look <laughs> the part of working in an office and i kind of felt like i had made it i like got this job i had a real salary i could afford a loan i worked downtown like i worked like on the mm -hmm. chicago river everybody knows those like corn cob buildings the famous yeah. ones on the chicago skyline i was directly across the river from that and i thought i had really made it in life but i was still just feeling really unfulfilled and my colleagues all had these problems not all of them, I shouldn't say, but some of them had these problems that I thought were like so 
like because I felt kind of felt like if you're like you have a good job and you're living in this great place and you've all you know you have a good salary like I have the lowest I have to have the lowest salary here right like I'm 23 I have one year yeah. one year professional work experience so I'm assuming I'm at the very bottom of the pay grade yeah. and people are like really complaining about everything like the coffee here is so bad and they you know and, and we got like good benefits at that job too like it was a good job and I just thought I don't know life was supposed to be like more enjoyable like more fun I actually used the word fun I called it the, the corporate fun. f word <laughs> yeah fun. <laughs> you're not supposed to say it because yeah. you're all supposed to forget that word exists and I started asking all my colleagues I kind of became obsessed with this like isn't life supposed to be more fun than like just going to work and like I know some of them had families so they could you know, yeah. different life but uh everyone seemed to say that it ought to be but it really really isn't and then this very scary like reassurance started coming around of but you'll get used to it mm. and that was my fear like they were pointing at like my greatest fear is that I just like became become really numb to the fact that I expected to enjoy my life more and I know this is kind of dramatic but I had gone through a lot of loss in my last year of university seven people in my life died and Whoa. I entered the huh. professional world I graduated when I was 21 and I entered this world with this really profound sense of like I might get hit by a us tomorrow mm. I have no idea how much yeah. time I have and um anything could happen absolutely anything bad could happen like I had seen it like people in my life died in like a plane crash and somebody mm. like literally dropped dead like they 26 years old my roommate's boyfriend had a seizure and dropped to the ground and he was pronounced dead at the hospital whenever he arrived like we never got answers we never found out what happened and uh I felt like wow that actually could be me like I have a, mm -hmm. a very, very rare cancer someone here like it was just across the board I thought that ha could happen to anyone but then I also had to believe that like all of the statistically good things could also happen to me like yeah. if I could drop dead tomorrow statistically then I could also win the lottery or have like everything I want in life like I could get my dream life I if if I believe one then I have to and I saw it like I saw the proof to me like that was proof that you're of my life then I needed to believe the other so I chose to chose to believe it that I could get I could live my dream like really my dream like the best case scenario I could have that and that's what I set out to do to like uh live my dream life like exactly as I wanted it I think there's a lot of things there to unpack in terms of like the way you live your life the first thing is yeah, someone I know. I don't. I didn't know this guy well. Like last week, yeah, went to work, dropped dead, seizure or brain hemorrhage, gone. Normal as anything at that morning goes. And in the, the day, he's like, hey. almost can't dwell on that too much because you'll just drive yourself crazy. But on the flip yeah. side, that does make you think: is what you're doing enough? Mm -hmm. And if it's not, you've got to put some actions in place. And I don't get too deep in the weeds of our system, but the system is built for you to have things. Now the problem with having things is I've fallen for this numerous times. I'm recording this on the Mac, right? MacBook Pro. And I was like, lean up to like, oh, can't wait to get it. And as soon as you get anything, I think a lot of people go, oh, yeah, that was good. And that's it. The, the anticipation's yeah. over. You've got the thing. And it's almost like, oh, what's next? And if you keep doing that enough times, where, where's the enjoyment in that? There's no enjoyment in that. But I use my laptop now just because I need to use it. It's not like a thing that really gets me going. Yeah. So I think a lot of people need to ask some serious questions. An apartment in Chicago, doing a job whether they like or not, is that enough? And if it's not, what are you going to do about it? And there are options, especially with passport privilege and country privilege like UK, US, where you can go and travel and you probably will earn just about enough money to go anywhere you want. So there is options for you for that. So glad you took the leap. What was the reaction of your co-workers when you've done that? 
Um, a lot of secret like whispers of envy. Uh, I remember this okay. one guy. I shouldn't say his name. He, uh, no, I mean, it doesn't matter. There's a million people. But he came up and he said, I would leave tomorrow. I would leave tonight and do what you're doing. And I was like, nice. Oh. Let's call him, I don't know, John. I'm like, yeah, that's John, nice, John. John. I'm sure your wife and kids would, <laughs> I'm sure your wife and kids would love to hear that. And he said, my wife would, <laughs> my wife would pack her bags. And I know they're not saying that they hated their kids, but there was like the, that was yeah. like the sentiment of, like I would love this and people kind of start coming out of the woodwork people who I didn't even know knew my mm -hmm. name at that firm there was a hundred something people who worked in my office mm -hmm. people I didn't even know knew my name were coming up and saying oh I would do that too except mm. I have these student loans and um I have like a cat that's really old and has diabetes and needs its shots and I was like that's wow I'm like I never thought you should do it but I'm glad that you I don't know you know like I never was I never like I didn't say anything this was the yeah. HR email that said yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Moving on to work online yeah. and travel, yeah. and uh, then people just started like, up, like I would be getting my coffee, and someone would like appear next to me, and they're like, "Oh wow, you know." And a couple people like, "Could you share with me how you found mm -hmm. work online?" And I was like, "Craigslist. It's not fancy. Craigslist for anyone who doesn't have it is like pretty much the classified ads." online it's an mm. all anonymous that's how i found my job and it was a huge step down i was making i had a good salary it was inc an incredibly privileged position at my job i had a good salary and um yeah i had steady work um i guess that's like the first i knew how much money i was making every month and then i traded that for an online job doing freelance writing and I found out Craigslist that didn't pay very a lot but it paid enough for me and i had savings and i thought i'm gonna figure it out you know mm. like if I can figure out, like, I just felt like I figured out harder things, I think, yeah. than working online. And uh, I, I bet I could. And if I can't, then I'm back here. And then it, that's kind of this, like, the moment that is a bit of a light, was a light bulb for me. Of, well, worst case scenario is I go and I fail and I come back. Yeah. And then it's kind of a, like the mirror just like appears in front of you that like, this is worst case scenario. And I know that that's like a false equivalent to say like, what I'm doing now is my worst case. But worst case is that you keep doing it. And then <laughs> yeah, how can yeah, you true. not do it then? Like, how can you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just how can you not leave whenever you realize that the worst case is like taking another step down the same road and then you kind of can't once I hit that point of realization I knew that that was kind of it and I would have never said that my colleagues should all do it I've never believed for a second that everyone should travel I think everyone who wants to should yeah. say that in the book too like this is not like an enlightened form of living where you like are a fool if you don't quit your job and find mm. online work and go travel I would never say that because I don't think it's true and I know I'll end up like with an apartment again and a an herb garden someday and a bookshelves and I'll you know it's like I'll end up back there it's about chapters of life seasons of life you know to me it's not about like right wrong smart smart way to live uh you know sleepwalking way to live I don't believe <laughs> yeah. in those extremes but for me I, I at that point in life I did feel like I was sleepwalking and that's all I can say is that if you feel that way too and you want to leave and you want to travel then you should do it because if you want to you should because it's even better than it it looks from the outside. Yes, I think sleepwalking is a very good word to describe a lot of people, whether it's intentional or not. And I think the problem with the system that we have for people who are like in their early to mid twenties is that you are taught from a very young age that you should be getting these things. So before you know it, they've probably got a mortgage maybe, and they might even have a kid at that point and shit, like they're, they're stuck. Like, especially with a kid, a kid's a big one. You can't just give it away. I'm sure people something loud, but you can't really do that. But at least possessions like house and cars and stuff, they are 
retrievable in terms of you can get rid of them and change your life. Yeah, a lot of people are telling me and my husband now about kids, you know, like you should, it's great. And uh, you can take them with you. They're portable. And uh, I don't know, it, your life won't change that much. And that to me is the um, the quintessential mark of someone who desperately wants you to believe what they believe because they know yes. that your life changes. It's an yeah. absolute, to me, that's the biggest, like, might as well help a little sign that says like, hello, I, I think that everyone needs to have kids because I thought that I had to have kids Yeah, because it's such a lie to say that your life doesn't change a lot and it doesn't you can still travel and do things but you couldn't travel the way my husband and I travel like no. I couldn't travel this way with a child yeah. um it's not safe enough <laughs> we, sometimes we get stuck and have to squat in parking garages you can't do that with and uh yeah uh I I power to the people and there's a lot of people doing it with kids but it's, it's yeah. a different it's a different thing than doing it alone and it's not a bad thing it's not worse but um yeah you can't lie to yourself and say that it doesn't like kids don't change things they do like I didn't mm. talk about bringing kids traveling in my book because I don't know anything about it and um I also think it's just so like those are two very different things to travel yeah as adults and then to travel with you know you just have so many needs and considerations i could have never helped someone make those decisions yeah i think if you just got possessions there's options um you can get rid of possessions and people need to be not scared of that um, because yes. i guarantee i don't think you'll miss them but before we delve into the book like three countries that you traveled to so far where maybe you have not changed your life that extreme mm. but like really given you like oh wow this is this is what i was doing at thought like, like this is great Mm, Spain. Last year, we spent a month in Spain in Alicante, and we yeah. we travel off season. At that point, we were only traveling yeah. off season because we had to have a home base in the Netherlands. So, um, yeah, we spent Christmas and New Year's there, and we got like a waterfront apartment that we saw the sunrise above the horizon every single day for a mm. month. It was clear enough, a and b. It was there. It was literally. I would like open my eyes in the morning and see this sun poking above the horizon <laughs> and that for me I thought man this is like there's something about the sunrise for me it's uh it makes me feel like I don't know small you know like yeah, wow, yeah. this sun rose over it's like the scene like the opening kind of thing and uh the Lion King where like all the animals of the world and I'm like I'm one of those zebras or meerkats <laughs> lifting my head and seeing this sunrise <laughs> over the plains it makes me feel small and kind of like a child with that sense of like wonder so that was um yeah seeing that every day I've never been somewhere where you could see it every single day see the sun yeah. come up unobstructed views of this horizon Spain what dream dream place oh, Alicante oh. yeah oh. in that apartment cost less money for a month than my rent in Chicago did there you go that's another thing so we'll come to later is. but it's about the the price of living but yeah um uh the Netherlands has been uh changed me a lot my husband yeah. saw his name's Bert Jan I met him in Guatemala and then I ended up moving to his country and mm -hmm. um, we were married the next year but uh Gua Netherlands was very challenging for me to live here uh it but it was a really good experience to see uh kind of seeing a country where things work all work really well that was kind of new for me <laughs> <laughs> and not not to dig on the U.S. but things don't you know like where there like aren't big potholes in the road and I love the US it's whatever and I don't mean to maybe I shouldn't have said that but I feel like if you are American you know you're like yeah, well that cool. system's bro this thing's broken and it's never going to be fixed hmm. but uh in the Netherlands it's so different it's like a country where they just try to fix their problems like there are no yeah. stray dogs or cats and that's just one of those things like most countries wouldn't even think to try and maybe it's also because it's like not that important but mm -hmm. they kind of have so much tax money <laughs> 
<laughs> and so that was really interesting. It felt like seeing a very different approach to life. Like, let's mm. just make things as nice as possible for people. <laughs> There's no perfect place. That also taught me that. Yeah. I think Holland are leading the way. Great everything's top five in the world and then you get here and you realize well there's still problems and headaches yeah and, um it's good to realize that no place yeah there's no like the grass is always greener thing ended for mm. me here like realizing that um and also that you can have a really nice life somewhere with statistically with statistically a lot of problems like you know it doesn't it comes down to money more than anything you can have a, like in a fantastic like a very incredible life you know in any country if you have enough money which is also an interesting realization like nothing is off limits all these top like 20 cities live in liberal cities they're all expensive okay yeah so i'm gonna live in uh sydney should i yeah okay most expensive place <laughs> in the world yeah cool that's liberal like yeah i, I don't get them <laughs> no uh, if, if they had to visit maybe but livable like vancouver is, mm. is always rated livable yeah it's nice by the mountains we get some bears yeah. that's a problem uh people don't realize but like yes yeah, the cost of living's crazy opioid crisis isn't is not good but yeah mm. it's always ranked in the top 10 in it so i don't know what these people see maybe just dip it out of the hat and change it around every few years i'm not sure mm. i feel like it's what mood you're in those people are in that day because yeah. we could all yeah. travelers also yeah. do our like top five places yeah. to live and it's like <laughs> if it sunny out we would say Norway in winter for the drama and if yeah, it's like yeah. dark and rainy we would all say Mexico the Mexican you know the coast the Gulf of Mexico yeah it's, it's strange <laughs> <laughs> uh and you asked for a third place that I really yeah. liked um uh Montenegro was really nice oh yeah uh, the hidden Eastern gem Europe. Yeah. hidden gem yeah it's really really different yeah it felt yeah. very um Sometimes in Europe, things feel similar to me as an outsider, Definitely. where I like can't feel that like that church is a hundred years older, and I know that's important, but I have no appreciation yeah. for that because it just doesn't like I can't see it, I can't feel anyway. But Montenegro, yeah, I thought that was a really special, very mountainous and dramatic, and everything mm. was kind of old. Like the apartments were not modern, where I'm used to like things being. I was kind of used to things being kind of like in the Netherlands, for example. Like everything's very modern here. Like the homes are very modern, mm. even if they look old. Like the inside is all more i don't know so all of a sudden i was in a and like you were in places where things were like clearly from the 80s and yeah. still worked but if something about that was very like nostalgic i think it felt Sounds like, like vancouver <laughs> yeah, all the buildings here from the 70s yeah that's why uh yeah. there's no insulation yeah oh no yeah and no aircon crazy okay oh. yeah Mon montenegro is is on the list yeah yeah i think um it's got a bit more reputation the last few years but i think it's still worth going to if you want that bit rustic European travel. Yeah, it lives up to the hype, I would say. Okay, good recommendation. Nice. Cats everywhere. Go to the cat museum. It's fascinating. Okay. <laughs> it's my favorite museum of all time, I think. <laughs> okay. So we're going to delve into your book, How to Be a Digital Nomad. So what I've done here for the notes, I've kind of gone through each chapter. I've not chosen everything because I think people need to read the book. So I've got a few topics in each one about I reckon people are thinking right now, okay, I've got some questions. But before I get to the book, another question. You went to Mexico, one-way yes. flight. How long was the process, do you think, of getting to that point, of thinking about it, putting a plate action in place or plan, then actually doing it? I left at the end of August, and in October, I actually wrote it down. I have the date actually written in the book because I, I found my old like journal, and I found the day where I wrote, like, is it such a crisis to not be in love with life? 
and then under, <laughs> and then I, I thought of, thought about it for a few days and I came back and in like the next journal entry I wrote maybe it isn't but maybe it really is you know like maybe mm -hmm. it is so that seed of that like I kind of started was like rejecting like the corporate life thing I was kind of starting to reject that like a bad organ transplant in October was like the first signs of rejection and yeah. then in March I thought I'm doing it I'm gonna go I was like researching heavily um I decided on this way of traveling I'm gonna get rid of everything and uh then I uh planned for a few months which was honestly too long I think that because oh. I almost chickened out I almost went back on it I was very scared and um I was actually so scared that I decided not to get rid of all my stuff I got a storage unit and kept like all the big things which was a huge mistake uh, it was a very expensive uh miscalculation yeah um so I kept a lot of my stuff in a storage unit because I was like that, that scared I started kind of walking it back and mm. uh yeah I would say three months three months is enough time if you are trying to make this unless you sort of having a mortgage and you need to sell your home mm. there's nothing that can't be done in three months and yeah. it's enough time that you maintain momentum I would say that's a really important thing because I I don't know if I would have stuck stuck through I was really quite scared and I felt like I was making a mistake and then uh you kind of start to find signs reinforcing what you are afraid of like yeah uh like a friend told me well if you don't like your job my company's hiring and I have seen your graphic <laughs> design I I'm, I know I would get you I could get you an interview in a heartbeat and I was like oh maybe that's a sign you know and it wasn't a sign it was just me being really afraid and uh it's not not a barrier to entry if you're afraid but do not let it talk you into being too afraid because if you're afraid to go traveling then you'll be afraid of the next thing that you really want in life like yeah. if it's if it's a dream and you say oh i'm too scared to do that what you're saying is i'm too afraid to do what i want with my life mm -hmm. and i just think that's a very sad place to to find yourself yeah get one shot right yeah yeah Ooh it's hard and there's a lot of things that you miss is like and you know it's all about seasons of life I think like the pendulum always swings both ways and yeah. you feel like oh I would really like more money like because then yeah, you, you like, whenever yeah. you start traveling you're like forget money money is like not like all I want is like life's currency <laughs> all these things and it's true at the time and then after a while you're like I think I want the devil's currency like I think I do want money in the bank yeah. you know yeah. and then you hit the point where money's not worth it anymore and it's okay <laughs> I think like it's okay to feel that way because uh like you'll never feel the same way forever but I don't know it's hard and then you're you're also wrestling with a big question which is like what is my I don't know like my purpose in terms of work like not yes. like your life's big purpose question. doesn't have to be the same mm. as like your career purpose but I think that your career purpose is really important to yeah. like everyone I think that that's just one of life's big questions it's, it's hard because last year before we went I just thought that quitting my job having a bunch of savings and going traveling that is going to carry on forever because I'm like yeah something will turn up and like of course I've got a podcast and yeah like we can carry this on forever <laughs> it's completely naive because unless you're in some sort of business mindset or entrepreneurial mindset where you're thinking properly how to continue it it will just dwindle the money and uh <laughs> it's, it's a stressful situation I just had this naive mindset that going traveling will open all the doors for like your career purpose or business purpose that doesn't need to be in that mode as well mm. so when you when you see these digital nomads which I'm sure you're one of them they don't only have the travel sense they have business sense combined and that's what makes them go long term and someone asked me what does long-term travel mean I said it doesn't mean traveling all year fast-paced it means having the option so if you mm. want to stay at home for three months at Christmas and do a bit of work 
that's great but then you have the chance yeah. to go to cuba afterwards because you want to that is traveling full time because you have the option and that's place where you've got to yeah yeah it's uh yeah you said a lot of good things in there uh, i'm <laughs> laughing and <laughs> thinking oh your a door would open you know what? i think a door is gonna open because i believe a little bit it's like kind of the jump and your parachute will appear uh it doesn't always but something <laughs> appears maybe it's like a pillow instead of a parachute it still hurts a little but it helps <laughs> i think if i donated like 10 percent of my travel fund or 20 percent to by making money then yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you like oh yeah i have a door open but having this complete mindset of just i'm going to middle east i'm going to europe i'm going to asia like every month of the year and uh, yeah i was doing the podcast still just about but like it's just not in that mind frame like i, I wasn't wasn't looking at opportunities some people might reach out for interviews but it wasn't like the right place to be if you want to extend it and i think mm. now like travel is not dissipated but it's just taking a little back seat while i'm trying to work out what's do because going forward i know that would be a result of that so i think it's a slightly different mindset maybe it's a bit of maturity maybe i don't know but then i was at your point i was just fed up i was burnt out i was, I was yeah. fed up with life like in terms of like being in one place doing the same bills ready to go and see a bit of the world and there's nothing, nothing wrong with that as well i don't think no no okay chapters in your book first one says so you want to be a digital nomad uh good question here who is it actually designed for this lifestyle yeah my philosophy is that digital nomadism is for normal people it's not as extreme or alternative as it sounds i mean it can be if you want to like there's this one guy on tiktok who's a horse nomad and he lives like on his horse's back and he lives in a he lives off the bed. but he makes money from tiktok so yeah. okay he's the, he's an extreme example that is quite alternative but it can also be really normal looking if you want and um i think that there's kind of this image of people who are digital nomads if for people specifically who have never traveled much on their own mm. and then they think like i would love to travel because maybe they have this online job now and they think that that's like a cool members only club and i know that's how i felt i thought that is like i am not cool enough i don't know anything about the world like i don't know the things that you need to know about the world mm. which is so i don't know maybe i'm not i wrote this book for the planner because uh you don't read a book about something if you aren't trying to plan it out and because yeah, yeah. i'm an excess an excessive planner in that way and yeah, I think it's for normal people who work online. If you want to go work from anywhere else, I think if you want to go work online from your sister's house, a town over, and you want to stay there, then yeah, you're dipping your toe into the water mm -hmm. of what it means. Because it's just about mobility. It's like, that's the real conversation we're having. And it's what all of us who love to travel do with that mobility is go somewhere different. And I think that it's as simple as that. Yeah, it's been location independent, right? Exactly. Location independence is the real currency here. And uh, yeah buys time it's it's been so popular now too with the pandemic it was quite alternative in 2017 people were yeah like, yeah well yeah. it might not work out you know and uh that's not true <laughs> Digital <laughs> as, as a movement it's very much here to stay and it's also not new it's like 40 years old yes um all the way back to the 80s so uh it's also not that um revolutionary I don't think it was and it, it still is for every individual who's like wow I think I'm going to change my whole life that is like a revolutionary moment for you but it's not so alternative I think I wish mm. people kind of I, that's one of my big things like it's not as weird as you think like if you work from home you're not doing like why couldn't you work from an Airbnb exactly. somewhere else because it's it's the same process exactly that and it which kind of answers the first bit is explain what it takes to be additional meds is that yeah you want to go and work abroad and just stay in Airbnb for a month or whatever like yeah. my only question I have with that 
and it's like not really aimed at you is just that these is now traditionally for my last 10 years I get a work visa I work and then I leave because you have to go right mm-hmm. but technically don't digital nomads can they just turn up on a tourist visa and still work on a laptop that way because you're not earning money in the country or is that a gray area do you think it's a gray area. Um, I think a lot of privilege goes into it. I think a lot of people who travel on certain passports will never be asked those questions. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. It's kind of historically been don't ask, don't tell with yeah. digital nomads. Um, there's even big companies that have been around for years, like Remote Year. You know, that's a good example. They are a big company that do digital nomad tours. And uh, they've been around for years and years and years. And um, yeah, they say, yeah, we're going to go to Morocco for a month. And uh they all just do tourist visas and um mm-hmm. yeah i did a lot of research on that for the book and it kind of came up that uh those companies as long as those companies are doing it nothing's being enforced you know especially mm-hmm. on the, and then if you boil down to the individual level but those companies are making i don't know millions you know from i don't yeah. know about remote years specifically but digital nomad travel agencies quote that bring these tours and tour groups and uh yeah and uh, i don't know when it's going to change or the nuances it's kind of a difficult thing i kind of it's a, it's a difficult topic. Yeah, because some countries have brought in this digital nomad visa now, which is great yeah. because you get maybe some benefits of living there. But there's yeah. a cost. There's probably a cost to it and a probably a certain amount you need to earn, right? But I, yeah. I kept I kept thinking like Barbados has one, like oh, that's the most expensive one. Yeah, yeah. So for example, why would I pay for that when if I just worked on my laptop, can't I just go down the tourist visa? Um, I know it's a bit of a privilege, but I I can't get that thinking up my head, and I wonder if they're starting to think like. How are we going to deal with this? Um, I, I don't know how you prove it, but like if you're if you're going to Bali with a laptop on a three month visa and you leave after three months, uh, I know it's cheap there, but you start to ask some questions like, "What are you doing here? Like, how are you funding yourself?" Or even maybe more expensive countries, like if you're going to Australia on a mm. tourist visa, but you stayed the whole length, and they start asking for proof of funds. I don't know how they can weed it out or do it correctly. I don't know. To my knowledge, countries don't want to stop digital nomads from coming. Um, This is a patron shout out to Laura from the Swamp Soup Stickers, who has contributed £5 to the podcast on my Patreon. Thank you so much for your support. Really appreciate it. And it helps the podcast to keep going in the future. If you're interested, head to the show notes where you'll find a link to my Patreon. The website address is patreon.com forward slash Travel Podcast. For five English pounds, you will receive some trendy stickers from myself in the post, a shout out on each episode, and also my digital travel planner by email. Thank you for your support. Even there have been news stories where they raided co-working spaces, like immigration raided co-working spaces and right. rounded everybody up and took them in and then just let them all go because there's no it hurts the country to turn away digital nomads yeah i mean there's also some negatives i'm not saying digital nomads are like a gift Mm. to whatever there are downsides to the community sometimes where like you know local people can't rent anymore because like there's bali as well over tourism there are downsides but economically there's um a benefit to letting digital nomads in your country and i've never yeah it's a little bit of a weird subject don't do it in the u.s i would say really don't go to the u.s um don't go saying that you're there on a tourist visa. I know that's a one of like the black like do no, that is not accepted. You know, <laughs> yeah, interesting topic. Okay, uh, next topic on the book was surprises of living the dream, and this is a very important one: is expectations versus reality, I guess slash highs versus lows. 
So let's yeah. go expectations versus reality. I guess people listen going, oh, it's amazing. You can travel all the time. You this and this. Mm-hmm. I guess the reality is sometimes not guaranteed work. You might not have enough money. You need to work long hours. Like what, what yeah. are some of the things you've learned that you've uh, you're, It's not vacation. Like you are not yeah. on vacation all the time. It's mm-hmm. not, um, yeah, it's not a holiday. I mean, you are living somewhere. Like in that moment, you're just living here and you're working here. And like whatever your day was like at home, today that's probably what your day would be like abroad like you wake up and maybe work for eight hours or however many and then you close your laptop and go out maybe go to the grocery store and that's what life is like and uh maybe it's you're maybe you're more active or i mean honestly i think it's just as like routine oriented as normal life and Mm. you know there'll be exceptions to that based on your your work but it's not this uh it's not like the it's not adrenaline packed adventure you have to be there for the journey. Like you have to be happy to be where you are. And I think some people go traveling to kind of run from something. I think we've mm-hmm. all been there where we're like running from something at home. And uh, a lot of people find that they're unhappy as digital nomads. And I think because they are really, you're actually quite alone with your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You spend a lot of time with yourself whenever you work online. And if you work online already at home, then you know this. But a lot of people felt that with the pandemic, that they were like their mental health really declined at home. And it's not just being alone or whatever, but that is a part of it. And uh, yeah, you have to be okay, I think. It like makes you be at peace with yourself in a way. And uh, you're not distracted all the time. Like you're working mm-hmm. on your laptop. It needs to be like half images of you at the beach and half images of you at your laptop. Like that's yeah. the accurate, you know, like daydream. But people yeah. only dream about the other side. It's like climbing mountains and, you know, hitchhiking mm-hmm. across Georgia and <laughs> the Caucasus. And it's, uh, yeah, you have to be at peace with yourself, I think. You're absolutely right. My vision, and this might be an interesting moment of reality, I'm not sure, is I expect to be working, but I would rather work in the Cook Islands in a hammock for a bit with good Wi-Fi and then take a dip in the sea for, for a lunch break than staring at yeah. a grey wall in Vancouver, right? You've got the right image. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not going to happen all the time, but I think I just want that choice. It's good to maybe just change it up now and then and and try not to put too much pressure on it, maybe. Like, I, I don't know if you felt this, that going away, making the leap, that you were trying to do the travel all the time or you felt like you should be doing it all the time. But obviously, it's not realistic because you've got to work. Yeah. And I was trying to combine traveling, like working in the morning and then going out and like moving from A to B to C, like hostel hopping and being really mm. busy. And I couldn't be at peace that way, uh, personally, at least at that point in my life, because, um, yeah, I thought about doing other things I thought about having fun whenever I was working whenever I was having fun I was thinking about working it was this like guild cycle that I wasn't in the moment of any of it and you know what I didn't know how to be in the moment because I had never been in the moment I was always daydreaming about what was next but you really have to Mm. like you can't go all the way to to Cook Island in a hammock (laughs) and sit there and look at the scene behind you and think I want to be somewhere else but that's so many people's defaults. Yeah. Like that's mm. my that was my default whenever I started traveling. So then I got on the road and I was like, I want to be in the next place and the next place and the next place. But what about yeah. this place? Like this is the place I wanted to be. And here I am, not paying attention to any of it. And uh yeah, that was a muscle. I get that gratitude, awareness, m- be in the moment muscle. Like it's not just like BS, you know, like that is real life happiness like make or break if you're happy that's so interesting i had some of those thoughts this year actually my travels and it's not related to paid work it's just related to the podcast sometimes mm-hmm. i just felt like i just need to be there somewhere for two weeks and just have good internet and get some interviews done or recordings done or 
because I felt bad for the listeners. Um, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really wanted to make sure I wasn't behind. And, and that was a problem because I felt the urgent need every time I thought that to go to the next place. Oh, I've got to see that place. Yeah. And it's too fast. Uh, big lesson learned this year from that. That's the transition when you go long term or full time travel that you need to have both in your mind, but don't feel guilty for doing one or the other. Yeah. And it's it's really hard. Uh, people yeah. have asked me like, oh, I, like one of my close friends went and started traveling full time this year. She said, I think I'm really bad at like, I don't think I'm cut out for this. And I asked her why. And she described like the exact place that everyone starts at. Mm. And I told her, you're not bad at it. But if you quit, you'll never, you know, you'll probably not get good at it. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> you should keep going for a while and see. And it, it's you're trying to balance opposing forces. Like that's the definition of equilibrium the balance of opposing forces and travel and work are opposing so to tether them together and try to combine them it is if it feels difficult it's because it is difficult and everybody struggles with it like I will have times where I'm really good at it and then times where I really feel like I'm drowning and I can't enjoy any of it and that's where it helps to travel with somebody or in a group um but being alone you can kind of spiral into no one brings you out into the moment like I mm. feel like I'm it's nice to I, that's where it for me makes a big difference now to travel with my husband I think traveling as a couple or as a group I'd imagine there's there's highs and lows of that but I think it's probably a little bit better mm. uh, a bit, bit of reinforcement there oh is this yeah. right yeah yeah it's, it's okay okay cool um <laughs> do you have some quick fire highs and lows oh um I would say like the high a high is the first day you're like swimming in the ocean on like a Tuesday in the afternoon and you think like man I could have been at my desk like I cheated death like that's kind of the feeling like I cheated this thing that was supposed to be for me coming for me and here I am living life and then almost like another low is like two months later whenever you're swimming in the ocean on a Tuesday afternoon and you're thinking about your inbox because you lost appreciation for the moment like that for yeah. me that exact like the same situation <laughs> does not give you that rush and you think like what's happening to me that I can't appreciate this so that's a high and a low very interesting okay a a bonus question before we get to the next subject then what would you say is the ratio right now between work and travel if you had to give a percentage of the year oh gosh well right now I I don't have an apartment got rid of all my stuff so um my husband and I are having like a slow month in the Netherlands staying with his family and then we're back on the road in like 10 days almost to go through well we don't we don't even know we spent all day looking at maps google maps uh all day plotting it out and we kind of haven't decided yet still so we're gonna hit off for southern europe we have no idea which route we're going yet or which countries but um yeah the i would say most weeks are normal weeks like i work 40 hours a week most weeks oh really oh wow that much wow wow okay I'm a writer, so I kind of go through spurts with like all the assignments yeah. and then try to take some time off. But I like to be focused. Like I, I'm, I probably work more than most digital nomads, which is maybe about balance or something. But <laughs> this question that I get asked the most: what percentage of travel and work do they do? But I think yeah. that question is only applicable to non-digital nomads. I think, like extreme travelers, for example, who don't need to work. Yeah. So I think for them, it's a good question because like, well, how, how much are you at home? how much you're abroad but yeah it's an interesting discussion yeah yeah very much so okay how to make your plan so this is a very interesting question a lot of people will be thinking is how to make money whilst on the road yeah so there are two big doors you can have walk through you can walk through employed or self-employed yeah that's kind of the biggest discussion to have with yourself and if Mm. you choose employed 
you'll probably get some stability, like some securities there. Like you might get benefits. You might mm. always have the same paycheck, like a salary that's always the same. You also will have some restrictions. Like you will need to tell your employer where you want to work. Some people don't. They're called stealth workers and they oh. lie about where they're working. Huh, wow. And they have <laughs> cost the highest. So I did a lot of research on this. And the highest number I could find was one company had to pay. I think they were, I don't know if they were fined or they just had to all of a sudden pay 30,000 US dollars in like fees as a company because somebody in their company lied about where they were working. <laughs> I think that the company was based in California and then this person moved to Texas and didn't tell them. Ah, oh, that's just down the road. Yeah, but they, so only one person, I believe. So, what for my, my understanding of it is yeah. that only one person creates a company. So, if you, if your entire company works in California and you move to Texas and then file your income taxes in the U.S. saying that you live in Texas now, but this is your employer, now they have a, a Texas office legally. So they had to pay all these fees to incorporate in the state of Texas. It's a very American slash Canadian story because in UK, you can work anywhere in the UK and it's the same tax. Okay. So if, if you want to yeah. go to the Outer Hebrides in Scotland and your office is based in London, there's no difference as long as you're internet oh, and do your work. No. So it's very, okay. that's why I was a bit confused. Like, oh, I thought, I thought this guy's working like in Thailand or something. Um, well, that as well, you know, there's a lot of, yeah. I mean, there are legal implications for the country yeah. or for the, for the company and people go to great lengths. I actually found some really good article, really juicy, <laughs> juicy articles, like people who had left, they were living in Dubai for like three years, but they still had a fake address in Texas. And then their employers like, oh, we mailed you a new webcam uh, to your house. You can, you start using it. And they flew back to receive the package. They That's flew brilliant. to Texas to receive the package from their friend who was, you know, <laughs> and they even took a picture of their home office and made it their green screen backdrop. And um, these people all spoke anonymously with like uh, Bloomberg or something about yeah. uh, what great lengths they were going to. And um, that's awesome. I, that's the less ethical route. Um, I know that maybe it's a victimless crime sometimes, but if you feel like you can't be stopped from traveling, then self-employment, there are no restrictions. You just have to incorporate. That's why. Yeah, you pay your taxes at home. Yep. Like my business is filed in the Netherlands. I pay taxes here because I'm yep. American. I also file my taxes, file taxes in the US. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that is only the US and I think yep. Eritrea have citizen-based taxation. So everyone else is okay. Um, <laughs> and if your company's based in the US, then you, whatever, you're paying, yep. it's the same. But it's, uh, yeah, then you have the freedom to go wherever you want. Um, and tr like tr in terms of, you don't have to get permission from anyone. You can, you're more, yeah, you just have more flexibility. And the time zone issue, a lot of people with employers have issues where they want overlap. Like, well, I don't want you to go to Thailand if you know, the company's in Vancouver because we'll never be online at the same time. Same time. So yeah, you can yeah. negotiate yep. that. Like, well, we'll have three hours of overlap and then always use it as a starting point. Like we can start with three hours of overlap and see how it goes. And mm -hmm. then- um, I think most employers, from what I understand, I have not been employed um, in a long time, <laughs> but I think most employers uh, stop caring over time because they realize that there's actually advantages to yeah. having teammates spread out. Like, yeah. um, it's actually quite the assets, if depending on the type of work that you do. Absolutely. You get like a full time zone workforce, in theory. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so like you can have like 24 hours of progress. <laughs> It's you know, no difference to them having offices in different countries, right? Like Workday, for example, who I used to work with their system, uh, Canada, 
yeah, they're based in California, but they've got offices in New Zealand, Australia, UK, like everywhere, because they, they want to be 24 hours. They're different uh, yeah. in that sense. Yeah. But for, for a self-employed perspective, what are some of the things that people could do as roles to make money on the road? Mm, uh, most popular is probably freelance writing. It's a very popular thing. Mm -hmm. um, if you, let's say you are, well, whatever language you speak natively, um, somebody gets paid somebody's being paid to write articles in that language to edit um a big thing for uh native english speakers abroad is being paid to edit in a non-native english speaking country like people oh, who are okay. like well i need someone to edit my thesis you know and oh wow. um, yeah. i mean you shouldn't do that unless you're actually skilled at that but um <laughs> yeah, which I is do an that. issue <laughs> where people yeah. are like yeah. well i speak english so i you know like <laughs> i'll i'll take a crack at it yeah um yeah. and then people get really poor poor help so don't do that if you're not qualified I guess is good <laughs> but you can freelance anything I mean people are literally being paid they pay online friends to talk to them right uh, yeah I mean it you can be paid to do anything online as long as it's ethical um I think that it's fair game personally yeah. it doesn't have to be like your life's calling you know to mm. like I've done quite a lot of jobs online that uh were not they weren't like I mean it wasn't who I was, you know, like I was yeah. writing for almost like a tabloidy kind of magazine for a while, an online magazine. And uh, that wasn't like my identity was that I was writing for this magazine. It was just, well, this is what I have to do right now. I'm doing the best I can. And I feel like in the online world, it's okay to have a little bit more of that where you just like something, you know, you just, you need to have some extra money coming in. Like I, I stumbled into a whole business that way with doing Pinterest management where someone was oh, like, Hey, yeah. can you, can you do this for me? Like they messaged me on Facebook and said, can I hire you to manage my Pinterest account? And I'd never thought about it, but I really needed money and I was good at it. I was good at ma doing managing Pinterest because I did my own account really well. And, uh, I knew and I had freelanced already so I was familiar with making invoices and the whole thing mm. so I said yeah sure you know and I had to say yes and take that like take the opportunity that presented itself and yeah you try a lot of things that you would have other, otherwise never tried I think it can be like a nice thing my one question is have you made money from blogging mm -hmm. not loads of money from blogging no. in terms of passive income um I do make some affiliate income but yeah affiliate um, income yeah yeah, but I, I write blogs for other people. So that's a service. Uh, okay. So those are kind of the two yeah. like legs of online business are service-based um, where you're like, you know, providing service. And then there's a passive, which is what everybody talks about. It's passive income, but there's a yeah. lot more to it. And then there's also um, like product-based, but I think fewer people are doing that. There's like a lot of people who try and fail, um, you know, doing Amazon, F you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you meet a lot of people who have attempted that and then content creators i guess are kind of like the maybe the fourth leg of that stool i don't know what metaphor that is but yeah you're well. right they're up there i feel it marks i'm interested because i'm like i could put it in my show notes and that could be a blog mm. and i can write blogs yeah. about the travels so i think there's like something there i know how hard it's going to be because people try and do it forever but i think it's key to see it as not as their main income right as passive income you've got to keep that in your mind yeah that's like the sprinkles on top of your income but people who yeah. say like I'm gonna like I've heard this advice on podcasts where people say, Joan, if you are forced to make it work, you'll make it work. So just oh, quit God, your job, like <laughs> quit your job, get rid of all your stuff, go to Chain Live with a three-month visa, and you will be forced to figure out how to make money. And then and then it's like, and that's how I became a blogger and I make loads of money. And I feel like that is not really oh, I don't think uh, it's realistic. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, some people will enjoy will be pushed positively by that adrenaline. I don't think everyone will. I'm not going to name them. There's a yeah. well-known couple who do blogs that I 
have seen quite a bit on a few social media. So I thought, oh, do you know what? I'll entertain it. So I got a newsletter and, you know, they boast about having, and I, I, I'm sure this is true, twenty to $1,000 a month on their blog and they get people to write yeah. their blogs. And I was like, okay. And they go, oh, yeah, I've got this great guide that would help you. Okay. I was like, oh, I wonder if they're going to charge for this guide. And they do. They charge like $200. Now, I know, oh. I know you could see it as an investment because if you yeah, do what they uh... say, you'll make money back. But my point is, well, if you're making 10 to 20 grand a month, why do you need to sell a guide for $200 when it's worth 14000 whatever they say it's worth, which is bullshit? I couldn't get my head around that. Yeah. There's a lot of less than uh, reputable stuff. I feel like as soon as, I don't know, I can kind of like a little bit of like a, uh, like this is fishy of like a you know spidey sense. Like this feels a little weird. Like a lot of people I think that they are telling the truth too they're like why like i make all this money on instagram so buy my course to teach you how to make money on instagram and then they're selling the course on instagram well yeah that's a machine that feeds itself yes so it's not hard to see how you're making but also a lot of people are teaching from this i place well i i did this so let me teach you and i just think it's really funny because if you saw that anywhere else like imagine if you had a plumber come over and you were like can you fix my kitchen sink and they're like well i did this on my kitchen sink and it worked do you want me to do it to your (laughs) you would immediately feel that bullshit like it's not yeah i have a little bit of a thing with it that's why you can't (laughs) compare journeys because every yes. bloggers journey, if they're full time, would be different. Mm-hmm. And this is why people struggle because they're like, oh, but you never get the answer of how you do it. Because like, well, everyone's different. Like, yeah. I, I can never tell someone right now, like the podcast journey being on and say, this is how you do it. So I'm like, I'm sure yeah. I've done a lot of things wrong. and I'm still doing things wrong. But it's just the way yeah. I've done it. I can't, I, yeah. I'll never dream of giving that out there as a, no. as a thing to do. But I could maybe do like someone's podcast manager and provide a service where I think, you could do this with this way and I, I've done it and if you like it we can go this way but I never dream of saying yeah. this is how you do it no I feel very sensitive to that even in the book you know like I I don't say that this is like I'll tell you every step to take but I, I my approach was let me help you make consider some of those decisions like I don't mm. tell you you should be self-employed because I don't believe that's the answer for everyone but I I try to give a lot of information about what you know what questions you need to ask yourself and i don't tell you where to go but i do like give a lot of information to consider and i tell a lot of other people's stories i interviewed a ton of other digital nomads because i was really afraid of giving a guide that's like i did this and here's how you can too because yeah. i don't think it's helpful and it's not enough and uh yeah i found digital nomads spanning five decades of travel oh, and go. uh going all the way back to 83 and then someone in 99 i mean these are people oh. i mean really cool cool people doing cool things and uh yeah them sharing their advice for the next generation of generation you know the next that makes them sound like grandfatherly you know the next iteration of travelers like what's their advice for someone who's doing this now you know and anyway that was my fear i didn't want to be that way in the book either of like well let me pay me to tell you all my wisdom i feel like let me help you give you a big list of things to consider and help you decide make a plan and a time a suggested timeline and yeah and here well here's what other people did you know here's stories from 10 other people who did Mm. it over the course of five decades and what they considered and what happened for them and where they are now at the very end I do round up where I say where everyone is now who was profiled in the book and uh I think that that's I don't know to me that that was my approach with it I think that's a good approach because they if they just give you like advice and how they've done it that's fine people who try and sell that I don't Mm -mm. you know unless you're 
I don't know, in the top five, but how do you even know? Like, I don't know. Let's say Nomadic Matt, for example. Yeah. Like, yeah, he could probably sell something because he's done it. Like, he's the original, almost one of the originals. He's yeah. done a lot of stuff, a lot of content. Like, yeah, you could probably buy from him, but I'm not saying he's better than anyone else, but I think someone at the top level, maybe. But, like, a lot of these people are trying to sell guys, and I think this is a bit of a – it's not black and white, basically. And I'll tell you yeah. someone who I do like seeing on Instagram, just a shout-out is Finding Alex. I don't even know Finding Alex on Instagram. No. She's a Kiwi and she's very transparent about her life as a digital nomad, about mm. especially how many pictures that she puts through and gets rejected. And this person's got mm. like 40,000 followers, right? And yeah. how much she makes on affiliate marketing. She puts like screenshots. This is what I mean. People think it's going to be thousands. It's not. It's just like, she says, I think I make $60 a day or something. Just pays for mm. food and some accommodation. It's not, it's not like the dream that people are probably thinking. So... Yeah, she's pretty realistic about that. Mm, that's nice, yeah. Okay, digital nomad destinations. There's a couple yeah. maybe for people to consider. Not Bali. I, I avoid giving specific destinations, but I would say okay. something to consider is yeah. contrast. Like look for contrast from your okay. normal life. Because the nice thing about traveling is whenever... I feel like it's like jumping into the water whenever you're like really hot. You like jump into like when you, it feels like so refreshing and you think this is like, oh, finally, I've been needing this. And uh, that's what travel should feel like. It should be like, wow, you feel like surrounded by it and really stimulated. And you can't mm. get like if you go from New York City to London, you are not getting the full level of stimulation okay. that you could. And I think it's really important to seek contrast. So like speed of life, like like say new york city versus you know like a fjord town in norway different speeds of life um <laughs> different vibes different kind of like a different tempo different climate different people different culture if you feel like life's been like you're tired and you need a break go to a country where you speak the language if you feel mm. uh like you're bored and you need a bit of adventure go somewhere really different where you don't and go you know look for something very contrasting i think that's like the money yeah, as a digital nomad i think that's the money trick <laughs> I like it because I'm thinking now, where do I go? And I'm very contrasting with places. But I think the first three places would be very different. I'd want a bustling city. Vancouver's a bit dead. So I'd probably go to somewhere like Tokyo or Bangkok maybe probably is the city I'd go. Well, I want a beach. So I'm probably going to like Cook Islands or Fiji or something. There you <laughs> go. Or, or Maldives. Maybe. A couple of thoughts I'd have. Or Greece. Yeah. Maybe Greek Island. Yeah. 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 So I think there's a, a lot of options available. I guess it depends on the cost, but... Yeah, think about what you want. It's good advice. Okay, next one is kind of what we talked about already is this chapter's called Where and How Will You Work? You've got how to balance work versus travel. I guess yeah. that's very personal to you. You can't really mess it up as well. <laughs> if you're going to a digital <laughs> nomad journey and you're yeah. doing 90% travel and your lifestyle is going to finish in two years, you're not working enough. You need to, well, you need yeah. to figure that out, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I actually made a whole list of like the two problems you're going to have is that you're underworking or you're overworking. Yeah. And I think most people do have both like con like through different kind yeah. of seasons, but especially if you're self-employed, this is a downside to being self-employed yeah. is that you don't, you kind of lived in like feast or famine cycles. So you are, whenever work comes by, you think, well, I'm so lucky that this, you know, article came in or this, you know, this opportunity. So you spend 
you say yes to everything. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I've spent a lot of time coming up with the symptoms of how do you recognize that you're overworking or how do you recognize that you're underworking and then what are like immediate things that you can do today. And I actually reference that list sometimes, like whenever I'm feeling out of balance, I reference that whole trap section. Or I think like, oh, I keep like, I heard myself say it the, the other day, like, I'm so unmotivated. And I don't really believe in unmotivated. Like you're, you, you aren't supposed to be motivated every moment of the day if you were like always quote motivated you would like never sleep or go to the bathroom or like you would always be working word, motivation yeah capitalist attitude that you always need to be productive motivation i don't believe it i don't think it's i don't think it's a thing personally no no yeah it's like what you're saying if you're saying like i'm so unmotivated like what you're probably feeling is well i needed a break that was what i was feeling i needed to like take the rest of the day and kind of walk away yeah. and or you might be feeling i don't like my work anymore Mm, and yeah, that's an important yeah, yeah. thing to hear you know yeah. like having that internal dialogue is really important and you know it's going to be hard at first whatever you're a digital nomad it's going to be hard again in the future after you figure it out uh because it is a hard thing to do and most people struggle at home i think with putting work away or working enough i think that it's not a natural thing to it's hard so it's going to be hard no matter where you're at and i think it's good to good to expect that whenever you're traveling Okay, two points there. Like motivation is weird. I'd never say to my governor's one, I'm really motivated to speak to Kayla this morning. That's ridiculous. <laughs> of course I want to speak to someone new and like meet them and understand the story. There's no motivation there whatsoever because it's just like what I want to do. So I like it. I'm working all day on my stuff and I don't stop till like late and I need to get out of this mode. Well, I can't sit there doing scrolling on Instagram. I've got to get stuff done. So I do get stuff done, but yeah. I can just keep going. But on the flip side of the podcast, I'm, I've now got really better at that. Did an interview in the summer because I was on a road trip trying to interview on a road trip in Canada, USA with no great internet and somewhere mm. that's that quiet is hard. So I thought, no, I'm taking the summer off, but now I'm like doing it in batches. So now the next like two yeah. months are quite busy. So I think working on the road, because saying like, I want to work in October. Okay, cool. And then maybe November is a bit quieter. If you've got that privilege to choose work, I think that's quite a cool way to do it, but everyone's different. Yeah. 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 You nailed it. That, uh, motivation is very it's kind of fleeting and it's not always tied to money either which is also kind of confusing if you think that you need yeah. you need to be making money or you want to be making more money but you're not motivated by money uh and yeah it's weird it's a very personal journey yeah yeah um, and then what's even harder sorry i feel like i've been on the subject for a while but if you look at like the graph of how much work work is a normal job becomes more work over time because yep. you like start out at the bottom and you work your yep. way up and you manage yep. a team or whatever, but self-employment is more work at the beginning. And then you have maybe employees or you outsource the things that you're not good at. Or like yep. even as a writer, I used to write for free just to get published and like get recommendations. Mm. I would offer free articles. And now um, I get I, I get paid uh, more than free. Uh, <laughs> <now> <laughs> That's I've good. been writing for years. I have a book deal. You know, like my rates have gone up, up, up. And I write faster than I ever did before. So I'm spending less time and I'm getting paid more because of my expertise. So I feel like I'm like coasting finally. I mean, it's like, so it's hard because the freelance thing as well, like freelancers make more money. Yes. ultimately but mm -hmm. not at the beginning and uh it's uh it's hard to know what's right like the dutch have a saying what's wisdom and where you ask what's wisdom and mm -hmm. it's very hard to know what wisdom is because what wisdom is for right now is not always like the big picture you know of yeah. like five years from now but it also doesn't matter because nobody it, it, i don't know it matters less than we think but it also it matters so much at the same time it does like, you're right uh, i guess the dream is you charge more you work less because if money yes. is not the motivation extrinsically, 
as long yeah. as you're just happy with a certain amount of money then in theory if that's the barrier and you charge more you work less so I think people need to work that out but it's hard to know at the start because you don't know what you're supposed to charge um it's an interesting one it's very hard yeah okay next question is very interesting it's home mm, uh, I'm yeah. gonna give my spiel first and we'll see how you oh, react good. to it okay let's hear I've, it I've always been the person that I don't want at home as in like I don't yeah. want to own a place yeah and I've been doing that for 10 years the end of this trip which has been a year trip I've actually got a bit fed up not having a home I think our motivation is very much that we want to buy somewhere to have a base and I'll tell you why a couple of reasons one we're fed up with staying on people's sofas and leaving shit everywhere yeah uh, even though we don't have that much and number two I just feel like sometimes you just need to go back to your own space and be who you are just for a month or two yeah and just have that space and you don't yeah. have to worry about where it's going to be Airbnb costs I know it yeah. costs less than renting but like I just feel like that's the reason so what's your thoughts on home I think everyone feels that way where they want to get back to somewhere comfortable. And I have that. I don't have a home base right now, mm. but I, I did. Well, whenever I started traveling, yeah, I, I gave up. I didn't have a home base anymore. And um, I liked that a lot. Um, but then I ended up with a home base again in the Netherlands because we moved here and we were going to use this as like our European home base and traveling yeah. and did that for five years. And yeah, we stayed low cost. I think that's kind of the trick if you want to travel a lot, but still at a home. Like we had a studio with like an open loft kind of, mm. I guess it was kind of like a, a, an open one bedroom apartment and a, re a renovated school. We didn't like, we shared showers down the hall with everyone <laughs> a little bit like a dorm, like dorm yeah, vibes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, it was it was a funny place, but uh, yeah, for five years. So whenever we went away and like rented somewhere in Spain for a month, like the cost at home was minimized. And mm. uh, now we don't have a home base at all. We got rid of everything. And, but we still come back though and stay. We stay with my my family or mm. my in-laws. And that for me is really, that fills my need for a home base. Oh, okay. we come back. Like, I don't want to have to rent a B&B every moment of every day. Like, you know, I think yeah. that it is important to have that place. And I totally get the need for a home base especially if you know where you live. Like if you know that you always want to go home to like someplace, then that's nice. Like we don't know where, what country we'll live in whenever we stop traveling. So for us, we couldn't really have a physical home base of our own if we wanted to, it would just be a total guess. But um, I think it makes sense for a lot of people. Like I think the people who get rid of everything like we have right now, I think that's not, doesn't have to be the norm. I think mm -hmm. a lot of people enjoy traveling a lot and come home, even if they're gone for like three or six months out of the year, come back, you know? dust everything off enjoy I think it's options as well it's options yeah. like we don't we don't have the option to stay anywhere so I think we mm, are always yeah. trying to find somewhere to stay and that's getting a bit tiresome I don't know how to do age as well you know mid-30s but I think we can stay somewhere short term but like if, if I want to stay like if I go home at Norwich I want to stay and just do podcast work for two months I'm gonna have to rent Airbnb I've got nowhere mm. to go over time that's a lot of costs I think yeah, uh, yeah. I was like, oh, I imagine just go to a place where we don't have to live in it all the time. It's just there. So I think that's uh, where we got to at this moment, which is quite interesting because it's a huge financial commitment to buy somewhere. And I don't want a mortgage. So I'm like, oh, no, I'm not getting a mortgage. I don't want to be honed down by by the bank. So it's a tough, yeah. tough decision, I think. Not sure. Yeah. You touched on something interesting, which is the the kind of theory of returning um a decreasing like return on investment that um like at first like your first year traveling is like such ecstasy and exciting mm. but by let's say your 10th 
uh, you just can't get as excited because it's your norm. Yeah. Like it's, what is that? I'm not saying it right. Return on investments. Um, oh, well, Dep- depreciating returns. Uh, you can't, mm. uh, it can't all be as exciting. And I think it's, no. yeah, you're, you're at a level of traveling that most people don't reach actually, where you have been doing it for that long. And but I, I think I can accept going home two months and working. I don't mind that. I think before I never wanted that, but now I'm like, oh, I don't care. Like, I can get a lot of stuff done in two months. Yeah. And if that means like for the next month, I can keep things ticking over then great i'm a batch person guy i don't know i need to work that out or something needs to work out but yeah i just think oh i can go home and just do work two months that's fine by me catch up people and then everybody's going in january when it's cold and wet and horrible oh just go to cuba or something i don't know so i think that's kind of what i'm thinking it's a long journey that because if you don't want a mortgage you've got to save some serious cash okay next bit caring for your career this is quite important uh remote work hygiene sort of mental health (laughs) yeah uh, very important things I guess I think we touched on already you can get a bit burnt out work too much underwork like, I guess that's very important to keep on top of yeah yeah and yeah underworking you overwork too much and you don't enjoy what you're doing so you know what's the what's the point of being there and then you work too little I mean I interviewed people who had crazy stories of like going on these group digital nomad group tours and you know uh two people got fired the first week a couple other people got caught up in the FOMO uh and quit like outright um or people just got blamed for things that went wrong like uh well the project didn't turn out as well and you were like off having fun you know it's kind of illusion that they weren't so um having your mental health be kind of you know maintaining your mental health to your highest level is really important Mm. i think no matter what's going on and yeah remote work hygiene i kind of say hygiene in air quotes hygiene to me is like how you conduct yourself online like do you have a bunch of files sitting in your downloads that are all named like image four and you have no idea what it really is (laughs) and if your computer crashed the headache it would be you would have things lost or Mm -hmm. you know you say oh you can find the attachment your employee you know your your coworker or whatever is like well what attachment it's like oh i can't find the attachment and it's because you named the attachment like email attachment so you're never going to find that and these little things that really impact your life like how you conduct yourself with your computer like kind of physically quotes like in with the files and naming things but also are you replying to emails within 24 hours and Mm. even if you say I got this thank you I'll circle back like little things like that communicate to your team that you are still working because you might if you're employed you might have the hurdle this like you know it this thing that people think you're not really working they're like well she's on vacation all the time and uh that's not an image that you want to have and you also don't want people to feel like like if you screw something up or even if you have like a very legitimate issue, like if you get sick or your computer breaks, um, if you're like, well, I know I have to like take two buses and a ferry and a monkey ate my computer charger and I don't know what to do. And people are like, gosh, she's a mess. And, you know, <laughs> all you have to say is like, I'm having problems. I'll be back online tomorrow. And if people trust you because you've always been reliable, that to me is like part of the hygiene. Like you always people know what to expect, you know, because mm-hmm. if you conduct yourself sloppily, it's like as bad as walking into the office with like soup stained sweatpants on like it's as sloppy and it's how people come to think of you um I think it's important to yeah be very very... professional is not the right word because it's not about being professional it's about people thinking that you have it together like you are yeah keeping that image up you know and also just yeah holding yourself to higher standards because you have to whenever something goes wrong and someone works at home or the office it's like oh they're having computer problems but if it goes wrong whenever you're on an island in the Mediterranean uh it looks like you can't it, it looks like you're on vacation <laughs> and you you mm. must have dropped your computer while you were on somebody's yachts yeah, um, yeah. the mean. image is very important that you maintain being employed and digital man must be quite hard 
I don't know how you keep track or keep that in check of like who's thinking what because if you've got a bunch yeah. of people sitting in the US and you're allowed to go and work in Thailand then I just don't know how they're never gonna not think that um unless you just yeah. absolutely smash yeah. it and you get all the stuff done I don't know but yeah you start being late one time and then you you start turning up like with very casual wear and a, and a zoom call yeah you might start getting those those little comments yeah or you're not replying to your email it's like you know three o'clock and you're done replying to your email your messages and people are going to assume that you're out like at the beach or something and this was mm. not like my concern like this is what i heard from all the interviews i conducted that people do not want to hear that you're on vacation and that's what no. they think so don't bring it up and also being really relatable i think like um i made this mistake once with a i was late and it's like oh my gosh the the hurricane on the island took the wi-fi out and i'm like describing my problem and um it didn't go over that well on the other side and i think yeah i should have just said there's internet problems because everybody understands internet problems but everybody does not understand like some crazy thing that can only happen you know like yeah. a monkey stole my whatever you know I, a monkey stole my wallet once like monkeys are they they're terrible yeah but yeah you don't have to yeah it's good to be relatable like your life is don't like emphasize how exotic your lifestyle is i think that's mm -hmm. kind of a, an important part and we're going way beyond like what i consider like the remote work hygiene to me it's like be organized reply to everything schedule emails if someone has a birthday like that goes so far you because you lose all this casual contact that you have with you your do. team there's no yeah. like coffee or meetings or um and they might not even remember what you're doing like how much of your work do you like do your colleagues even know but they see you if you're in the office they see you at your desk and they say wow Raquel's working really hard mm -hmm. I see her working hard but they're never going to see you doing your work so you have to kind of conduct yourself in this really really pristine way next thing is networking I imagine this is key for a lot of jobs for digital nomad and self-employed quite important I'd imagine hey yeah just a quick one. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5. Or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with TeePublic, where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as t-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcast and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for traveling, podcast and other stuff. Thank you. Yeah, and you know, you're actually at an advantage as a digital nomad because you're used to the, the digital space. You're used to remote relationships and almost nobody networks in person anymore um like mm. going to networking events are where you hand out your business card i mean that's <laughs> quite passe it's like almost as old school as like a rolodex with the big like i don't even know if people know what those are anymore uh <laughs> it's not the norm to exclusively meet people online or to you know maintain like who doesn't maintain their relationships through text and phone call or zoom calls so you are yeah kind of advantaged there i think and mm. yeah you find people on linkedin is a really i mean it's the best place for professional networking yeah i've started to really get into that um properly i've been on it for years but like you know doing posts and stuff like that i think it's i've, I've realized it's key to maybe a lot of things about even getting guests for the podcast but also getting work i think it's going to be an important thing to go down as a business route 
yeah people are really friendly and willing to help and active and yeah uh, yeah there's a lot to be had with LinkedIn it's very easy to grow and meet people it's a lovely place actually if anyone wants to connect uh, I think you'll probably put the links in the show notes but please send me a connection request and tell me you came from the show uh I would love to connect and uh yeah I've got a lot of work that's how I got my book deals through LinkedIn a publisher found me yeah they found me I was sharing some stuff about the digital nomad lifestyle and they reached out and they said hey have you ever thought about writing a book Oh, wow. And that was how it all That's happened. I mean, it was that simple. It was just a DM on LinkedIn. And he also came to my website before, like the editor yeah, yeah. went to my website and he saw, oh, she's a writer. We like what she's writing. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like a standalone thing, but it was the catalyst and like the meet cutes, which is, uh, mm. I think it'd be that for a lot of, a lot of opportunities. Yeah. I think it's more legit that the amount of uh, spam I get on some of Instagram, like I'll mm. go, I'll grow your stuff. I'm like, mate you got you got 20 followers right like, I don't think you can do it <laughs> um yeah. but I think I, I think LinkedIn is is a bit more uh, there's referrals on there it's more legit proper photos proper like engagement so I think there's definitely the way to go uh, yeah sure. people spend a lot of time building community there it's not about building followers it's about actually meeting people people are very invested do you have the premium account bit of a nerdy question I've done the the trial. It's really nice, actually. Is it nice? I haven't delved yeah. into the trial yet. Yeah, it's nice. Well, I so I write for HubSpot, so I need to get a lot of okay. sources for articles. So then yeah. you can message people. That's very nice. But I mean, it's fun. Definitely sign up for the free trial. I think it's worth the worth it whenever you're growing, and it makes you look a little bit like more invested. I guess. Um, I, it doesn't mean anything like to me personally, but um, it shows that you're actually active because there's a lot of like kind of empty accounts that people just like add you, you know. And yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. Active. they actually don't okay. want to talk but I'll try okay yeah also another thing about uh networking is kind of the same line of thinking is that for me like podcast events I want to go to some but when, yeah. but when you're when you're working in a normal job with certain vacation time they generally are somewhere else it's quite difficult to go to some you have to pick and choose yeah yeah the freedom's so nice whenever you're self-employed yeah. it's amazing it's I actually went I was a birth partner for my best friend whenever she gave birth to twins Oh. I've never done that if I wasn't self-employed. <laughs> yeah. like, imagine that yeah. email, like, t- like paid time off request yeah. for somewhere between Kelly's 36th and 40th week of pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? She actually did point. get induced, so it did get planned. To an ex- but it was like, we'll induce you tomorrow, you yeah, know, yeah. at the yeah. ultrasound. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, the number of opportunities you get to say yes to with the flexibility of being self-employed and location independent it's just like a jackpot situation of freedom <laughs> okay getting to the sort of last few subjects really this is an important one a bit further down the line is you've done a chapter on managing your finances abroad uh you mentioned being american you have to do your taxes of course mm. uh, wherever you are in the world a key thing here is preparing to make the leap uh i guess yeah. a lot of people are thinking like how much should i have saved I guess there's no answer, real right answer to that, but like safety net basically was what what were you thinking before you went? Um, I didn't have hard numbers for it. I was kind of afraid of numbers at that point in my life. I just thought as long as I have a huge credit card, you know, limit, <laughs> yeah, really yeah. bad happens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? So something really bad happening is it's using your credit card and whatever you've no plan to pay it off. Like that's the really bad thing. Like I thought that was the safety net, and here it was the thing to be afraid of. 
<laughs> but uh, I think that whenever you're looking at how much money you save, you actually have to kind of consider what you would do if something went wrong. Yeah. Like I kind of call this like the go home nomad or the like shelter in place nomad. Like if you lost your job today, you know, or let's say you start traveling and six months from now you lose your income and you don't have to know the answer to this, but ask yourself, what do you see yourself going home? right away like because if you think well I would just go back to my parents house like to me that was where I was you know if something ever went so wrong I'll just go back to my parents and crash there mm-hmm. and then you need a lot less in savings because all you really need is like immediate expenses and then a flight home yeah. and you could probably be home in like 48 hours and then your expenses are hope if your expenses are going to stop if you somewhere free to stay for uh you know an undefined amount of time period but if you think I'm going to stay put and figure it out you need a lot more savings mm-hmm. I would say at least three months, but almost even as important as that is like knowing, having the skills to reduce your income. Like if you were living out of Airbnbs and then all of a sudden you lost your income, like if that was me Mm. and my husband, we would, uh, at this point in our lives, we would probably start immediately house sitting. Like forget Airbnb. We're going to do trusted house sitters. No, no accommodation costs. Mm -hmm. Um, We already have the skills. We used to live off of uh, like $8 a day for food budget for two people, like making tortillas from scratch, making every, well, I can't say my husband making everything from scratch, having those skills and knowing like, if I had to, I could live off of very little money. Like you could make your money go so far if you had to, those are skills that are really worth kind of, you know, at least acknowledging like, not a lot of people are have like really pushed themselves long term on like a grocery budget. You know, maybe everyone's <laughs> been broke, but saying like I could probably live off of like two dollars, you know, a dollar a meal or two dollars a meal. And maybe it's not realistic everywhere with with costs, but just having those skills. But it's a life skill to be able to thrive on a very low weekly budget is a skill that hopefully you don't have to use all the time. But I think it's important to yeah to know that about yourself. That's a good skill to learn, which is very privileged for us to be possible. So I remember my friend in Australia, in Perth, I managed to get a job somehow working in, in the mines, in the kitchens. I don't know how <laughs> I got that. Scott just got it. I knew it'd be good money, so I went and done it. And his job finished a little bit early. And he didn't have too much savings, but he knew that staying in Australia is going to be, it's going to clear him out unless he finds a job. Yeah. Sort of Southwest Australia, not much going on. So he flew to Indonesia for two months. And that was cheaper staying there than like booking mm-hmm. two weeks accommodation in Australia. So my point is you need to assess all the options. If yeah. you're really short on cash, uh, this is not good advice for Americans, but if you're <laughs> British and you're really short on cash, you want to go somewhere cheap, go to Cuba. They have, some guy has got Airbnb in Havana in the centre, two two bedrooms for like 10, 15 pounds a night. You can do cheaper, but compared to like Canada or in UK, for example, you're paying three, four, five times that amount. So there's like different countries around the world. That's privileged, don't forget. But like very privileged, uh, yeah. But it's a good to understand. If yeah, like Thailand, for example, Bangkok, you can rent an apartment there with no rules. You don't need to be a resident. You don't even need an un- income. You just need to pay the deposit and pay your rent. There's actually yeah. like very limited rules. So like you know, you need to go to Thailand and just live off like street food for a month, go and do it, kind of stuff like that. But that is privileged based on passport and you know visas and stuff but Mm. there you go yeah yeah they're good tricks to have in your pocket and i've got investments here as well i mean uh, i mentioned finding addicts early on instagram she does mention that it's so up and down her income that sometimes she has to go into some of her investments to i guess to live (laughs) um i don't know how extreme that can get but i guess you kind of need to 
maybe think slightly long term. I would say if you really want to stay abroad long, long term and you feel like you have nothing to go back to and you feel like I don't have an apartment, I'm not going to go back and stay with my family. Maybe you don't have that option. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, be really prepared. And I would say start with the extreme money saving options at the beginning of your trip, like start house sitting at the beginning yeah. or do yeah. work away. That's what I did because I thought, well, I don't know how much money it's going to cost. I have no idea. So I started my travels doing work away and I stayed for free and I also got food some food at that job so i had very little outgoing weekly cash and um and i was working so you're building up your money and you have very little going out and i think that's the best way to start if you feel like you need a savings buffer because it's hard to save at home whenever you've like rented maybe you still have a car or something but mm -hmm. whenever you are already going to somewhere that's hopefully cheaper i'd say go cheaper and start yeah with aggressive budgeting tactics at the beginning yeah, you're right get ahead of the game yeah yeah build your buffer up and then you can relax and go somewhere more expensive and <laughs> pay for an airbnb go to bg and <laughs> yeah. there we go yeah that's the way okay uh you got when things going wrong as a chapter i guess this, this is a very important topic can't all be good uh you've got like maybe lack of work crime health that sort of stuff they're just kind of the main subjects right just to navigate through um, yeah, I think health is the biggest health. one that people yeah. are not going to be used to dealing with when yeah. just doing vacationing. But um, yeah, just some like tips in there on just, yeah, you know what? Health is hard because it's always different. And everything, mm. every no matter what happens, if you're in another country and you go to the doctor, it will not be what you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> it will not be what you expect. Okay, I shouldn't say it might, won't be what you wanted because it sometimes is nicer than you expect. But it's never what you expect ever. Even things that you didn't know could be different or different. God, this is an interesting subject because from a UK perspective, the worst case scenario for me, if I'm really that ill, I'm just going to fly home and get to hospital. Yeah. But yeah. from a US perspective, though, I don't know what you think about this. You need insurance, right? And I don't know how it works, yeah. but you know, US always gets taken the piss out because they don't have a, like a universal healthcare system for a lot of people. You need no. to like, pay for stuff and then get insurance. But and some people can't afford insurance and stuff like that. So I don't know how it works for you guys. Yeah, doesn't really cover it anyway. Yeah. I usually handle things abroad. I mean, I haven't had any like true serious. I mean, I just got really, really bad food poisoning in Mexico. I was sick for like six weeks. Oh, wow. Um, huh. So that was severe. But I shouldn't say I, I haven't had to deal with surgery or anything. But, you know, it's funny. I actually met an American couple living in Mexico and they said that they had a surgery there. And how we asked them like, oh, what was that experience? And they said, you know, we drove up, they got the directions, they put it in GPS, they show up and they called the surgeon and they were like, I think we're in the wrong place. We're next to a gas station. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's it. It's to the left of the gas station. That's the surgical <laughs> center. And there's like no sign. And but then you go in and they said it was like pristine. It's like this. Yeah. But the outside, they said we like made a joke. You know, you, you like make a joke like, wow, this does not look like this is goodbye. And then he went in and he had it was a pristine surgical center on the inside. And uh, then the surgeon drove him home. He's like, oh, let me give you a ride. You shouldn't drive. And uh, <laughs> and he had the best medical experience of his life. And this guy, I mean, he and his wife, I think they were in their late 50s. Wow. And saying how it was just the best experience and i also had to go to the i had to take myself to the hospital in mexico alone in 2017 and i had the same thing i was so scared i got in there it was like the nicest hospital i'd seen in my life that's reassuring for a lot of people yeah yeah you don't know yeah. funny things too like in the netherlands once i went for some test in the hospital and they like in the u.s and i 
I thought everywhere they like give you a hospital gown if they yeah. make you like change and they don't they were like what are you waiting for like and I'm like they, they just have you like walk naked between testing rooms <laughs> um, okay never never in a million years I've thought that that happened anywhere <laughs> so you have to be very open to just getting what you need like you need to just focus on like the, the, the end point which is mm. getting help and not what the process is like yes. and that's hard and it's emotional whenever you're sick and it's very scary and then you want I don't know like you have you know you want medicine that you can't get or they uh give you too much medicine and you're like I don't know I think this is like it's it just every, it could go any way like every every direction it could go it will go at some point you know is this also linked to having travel insurance as well Mm, yeah actually it's a good point because travel insurance kicks in retroactively so you always pay up front at least yeah. in my experience you always pay up front for yeah. everything mm -hmm. and then you get reimbursed hopefully by insurance you save everything hopefully. Yeah. but not always and yeah. um yeah it's a risk it's one of those risks uh, of traveling and if you can just go home for something you can but if you have like you know food poisoning or um, I think all the common travel things are just kind of like normal like I would say like something that falls into the flu category of like an ear infection you know something respiratory mm. you know we all get those sometimes you're not going to go home for an eye infection but um that doesn't mean that you know what to do where you are yeah. to handle it yeah that's part of the learning experience I think especially long-term travel uh, yeah. I think you just got to like just trust the process I think a little bit on that <laughs> Yeah, and hopefully people come out to help you. Like one woman who I interviewed in the book, she was she had a, like a a tuk tuk driver take her to the emergency room, <laughs> and that <laughs> and then they wouldn't admit her without a local contact. And he was waiting for her because she because yeah. he was just waiting. He thought maybe she needed to ride back. And then here he came in and became her contact and like <laughs> signed for her and was like with her in the hospital. <laughs> and that's like such a wholesome story. And I do think that, like, uh, the scary things are going to happen, but the really good things are, you know, also going to happen. It's part of the journey. Okay. And the last sort of chapter is digital nomadism. Is it a lifestyle or a phase? Yeah. What is it? I was, I think that question is both, I, I tackled it both, like, from a personal experience for me. And then what does it mean for you? If should you do this, for, you know, are you planning to do this forever? And then also just the movement. And the answer for the movement, it is not a, it is not a, a as a phase like digital nomadism is very much here to stay it might be new to some people but it is not new yeah. and uh on an individual level you're always going to go through seasons of life and very few people are going to be nomadic long term like that's why i don't believe in like talking badly about quote normal life because normal life is where we're all headed again like yeah. you aren't going to travel until you're 80 and then drop dead in an airbnb <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just probably not gonna happen yeah. for almost anyone even the most extreme travelers that i've met um like yourself you know you go through phases where you're like yeah. working more and you're at home more and you want that and you crave that because that's normal because you always end up craving contrast mm. and um for me it's not full-time travel is going to be a phase i don't know how long and i've been abroad for six years now so that a part mm. of my life is not a phase but um i won't always have just two backpacks i'll get an apartment again someday and that's i think you need to be yeah open to seeing the change in yourself like i don't think it's failure to set out it's a digital nomad and after six months say that was a lot of fun but i think i need an apartment i don't think <laughs> yeah. that's anything like i would say keep working online then and 
be open to all the gifts that's going to give you. You're going to be able to go home for your mom's birthday and, mm. you know, show up whenever someone's sick. You're going to be able to give yourself what you need. Like, oh, I'm really down in winter. Let me go to Spain for a month. You're going to be able to give that to yourself. And you're going to get, I think, more out of life. To me, working online, that is like the gift of a general, like the gift of this generation to me. Like I was born in the right generation. I <laughs> can't imagine not. Yeah, I just can't imagine having to give that up. But the rest is just life. Yeah, yeah, yeah that is the goal. I wouldn't wish like my phase of life where I like lost so many people. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Mm. But I think of mostly of all the P7 people in my life who died, I think my Aunt Jane, who uh, could tell you how many days it was until she retired. You would ask her like, oh, how are you? And she would say, I'm, she would say, I have 412 days until I retire. And she walked out of work one day and was hit by a car in the parking lot. I think the question is, uh, let's not be too morbid here. I think you mentioned it earlier. If that happened to me tomorrow, I'm not trying to jinx things here. Um, <laughs> but, you know, 10 years of work and travel, yeah, I've, I've done all right. Yeah. yeah. I think I'd be, I'd be fairly happy with that. But if I had yeah. 10 years of just doing a job I hated, I wouldn't be so satisfied. So people yeah. really need to ask some serious questions. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes, I know I used to kind of wish for like a, like a, a car accident that you miraculously walk away from. I used to think like. Well, to get compensation. <laughs> yeah but then you feel yeah. no that you feel like wow i got the second chance at life like i knew someone who did that they oh, had this right. horrible car accident and it was like a right. miracle she walked away without a scratch and i actually felt myself feel jealous that she had that excuse to throw wow you have the second chance at life you could like do whatever you want now and i had to really mm. be honest like why am I just do I need that do I really need that to happen I shouldn't need that especially after seeing all the people in my life die as so many people in such a short period of time uh like Aunt Jane just walking out of work one day yeah and um yeah, yeah I think that that was if you think about the big picture of life it kind of yeah hopefully going after what you want whether if it is travel if you're listening if you're still listening I think it must be traveling conversation, I would never say it's travel for everybody but I think for everyone who's still with us then it's traveling it must be absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah please tell us the book when is it out and where can people buy it yeah you can buy it um online like most places it's listed kind of everywhere online right now and um it will hopefully be on the shelves in big book retailers but it's gonna I, that'll be a surprise for me <laughs> i don't know where <laughs> my publisher has no info on that yet but uh it comes out most of the world january 3rd but in north america it comes out january 30th and oh, yeah it has a lot of good stories from digital nomads from the ages and uh yeah i would be hope if people are interested and you're a reader you're a planner then i think it'll help and yeah i'd love to connect with anyone online too you can send me an email if anyone wants to chat uh kayla at writingfromnowhere.com you can email me say hi say uh, ask any questions i reply to those emails where people have a if you want to chat about anything cool i'll put it in the show notes so people can just click it uh yeah and get you an email can people pre-order yeah yeah you can order it now it's at yeah. its cheapest price ever i guess um don't the hardcover is like 70 dollars. i don't know why but the, it, <laughs> it's, it's 15.99 <laughs> it's a normally priced book um and there's a kindle version coming out soon okay That's and you're one of the few people who've read it so yeah hopefully hopefully more people do it's um, a book of valuable information uh, oh. a guide yeah Zingers. and something i'm gonna cherish i think just keep referring to yeah that's that's my dream <laughs> yeah i'm excited to see where it takes you yeah i'm a dreamer got loads of ideas and you got to quote david goggins don't let dreams become your master so you got to put 
actions into place and make them a reality (laughs) okay we're gonna finish the episode with some like social medias and stuff but you mentioned earlier that you do pinterest management so the reason i want to just ask quickly about this is because pinterest is something i don't do and i do sometimes think as a traveler uh, also as a podcaster maybe is that something i'm missing out on and it's something i should be doing so can you tell us what is pinterest and what is the advantage of maybe getting into it Pinterest feels like a social media platform, but it is a search engine. So people go in and they type in, you know, things to do in Amsterdam. And then it comes up with results. And as a creator, you want your results showing up in searches so that they click through and watch your video, podcast episode, read read your blog. So there's a lot of value for people who create content in Pinterest. And the secret is knowing how to optimize it, which is what I did. And in Pinterest, there's so many people to reach. Um, Like you don't have to go viral every day. You just publish content and Pinterest is always like hustling it out there to its readers because it's not algorithm based in terms of time where like instagram it's like uh, always recent like you don't see yeah. posts from seven years ago on instagram yeah, you yeah. would never but you see that on pinterest all the time because it's like been indexed in in the search results so um my account reaches right now about two million people a month wow it used to reach like five or six that's whenever i started i was helping people on if in these facebook groups they're like pinterest is dead and i was like why don't you send me a link to bag your account now look at it and it was like well, you forgot to like put your website on there <laughs> so you know like people were just missing these really obvious things so i was yeah. just answering questions and then somebody said i didn't know to what end i just knew that it was locked down i like didn't have work all of a sudden and um i because i was working mostly trying to build my business i was in yep. your position where i was like i desperately well i don't know not to reflect not but i felt like i desperately need to make money online and i'm trying so hard and it's not going anywhere and Same. then lockdown <laughs> happened okay yeah <laughs> i had actually been nannying in the netherlands like part-time okay. two or three days a week so i'm nannying for kids who don't speak english and i don't speak dutch at the time so they're like and and they, and they also didn't even speak dutch all of them they like spoke polish and i also don't speak polish <laughs> so there's like you know i like i was like dreaming i'm like i need to get my business going i need to start a business and meanwhile i'm like carrying a two-year-old home from the uh swing set and he's like screaming the f word at me and i'm like someday i'm gonna have a business on my own i'll never have to <laughs> yeah. change change diapers again <laughs> then lockdown happened and i was actually relieved to have a break from that side of it mm. but i needed yeah income so then i was helping people on facebook uh, like well why don't you do this try that how about this and then somebody just messaged me and said can i just pay you to do my account for me and then that started that was a four-year business i did that for four years managing people's wow. accounts i did that full time yeah um it supported both me and my husband uh, he also quit his job and started helping me there was a lot of business there which is why i always tell people you know your best idea for a business someone might point it out to you like yeah. listen like see what you're good at see what's easy mm. for you pinterest was easy for me and someone else had to look and ask me like you know is this we and even with writing i was writing kind of for for me for fun for my own website and i wasn't doing it for money and somebody reached out and said can you write for our website and i was like eh, okay i guess i could get back into it a little bit i was kind of turned off of freelance writing after a, the I was like writing product descriptions for headlights of cars. I mean, I was in a desperate place before (laughs) and then I kind of swore off freelance writing because I didn't think it was for me anymore. And uh, I thought I'm not going to do anything until I know what I want. So I'm just going to nanny and figure it out. And then it took two years, two years of nannying and coming home every day and working on my website my website looking terrible. Also, it didn't look good. Like the first, it was ugly. It was like an ugly few years of 
really desperately trying and seeing no results. And um, I always try to say that because people think that if it's, if they're good at something, it'll be quick. you like, you know, if it's meant to be, it'll be one of those six month success stories. And yeah, I hustled for two years just to start making, just to start hitting bare minimum income limits online. And then it was another, you know, two years before I was like comfortable and my husband quit his job to join. And, um, and then it was another year until, you know, like the book, like a, a publisher offered me the book deal. It wasn't like, Oh, and then all of a sudden everything turned up Kayla and everything was going great. You know, it took a long time. It was very slow and that's good to hear. It's that's normal. I think I think that's the norm more than everything else. Like I don't know anyone who had this quick success story, except mm. you see them all over TikTok. So yeah, you think they must definitely. be the norm. And you, also those quick stories, all you know for you, what you know, they did that for their corporate job. Like they were like a videographer. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. now they made their TikTok huge in a month. But yeah, they had that entire skill set. Yeah, I think it's key. Just don't don't compare your journey to their journey because it's going to be different. But I do have podcasts. I'm about for three years. So when people ask like, oh, how do you get guests? Oh, a lot of them reach out to me now. Like I've been working on it yeah. every day now. So I do have, I put the effort in on that. It's quite a tough and tiring job free yeah you put in a lot of work also i want to say you put more work than most podcast hosts because i've been uh on a lot of podcasts lately for the book and you put oh, yeah. in much i would say your top two percent of the amount of work that hosts put in like with your questions oh wow a lot of guests have said i put my research is pretty good um oh, yeah. that's because it's a fear of not knowing what to say next but also why wouldn't you want to know who your guest is a little bit it's got to run smoothly right i'm constantly thinking I'm engaged in the question, but also the next one. So that's like my process. Okay. Okay. Uh, where can people find you for social media, uh, email, LinkedIn, all that sort of stuff? I have a difficult to spell last name. So click the link in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you can find me everywhere. I'm Kayla Urig, spelled with an I. Uh, yeah. You'll see it in the show notes written out. But yeah. And if anyone wants to chat directly, uh, my email, you can maybe, James, you can drop my email in there too. And anyone can email me anytime to say hi or to yeah ask questions follow-up questions i love chatting with people what about website oh yeah and writing from nowhere.com yeah you can go on there and check out uh kayla's story uh, i think there's a contact button on there that sort of stuff yeah, uh, yeah, yeah the yeah. blog as well as on there yeah there's so, a lot of writing on there interest yeah 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 i'm gonna finish with quick fire travel questions first off it's travel question time how many countries have you traveled to uh 30 okay and of those 30 which three would you say are your favorites guatemala portugal montenegro okay and which three countries are next on your hit list poland romania bulgaria okay if you were to settle for somewhere for a year in a country you've not lived in before where are you going to settle um vietnam lovely okay <laughs> What three international cuisines are your favorites that you've experienced in your travels? Vietnamese, never in Vietnam, but everywhere else. Um, uh, is it halal food, like falafel oh, yeah. and yeah, hummus? Yeah. Vegetarian, that's like my, it's like a religious experience, eating a good hummus. Mexican food, yeah. Of course, yeah. <laughs> what about a favorite beach? Oh, Progreso, Mexico. Okay. And what about a favorite walk, hike, or trek? Um, 
my husband and I did a, a small part of the Appalachian Trail in the really? US. Very small part. I did interview someone who completed it. <laughs> yeah, good for them. Oh my Mental. gosh. No. Yeah. We won't yeah, be doing yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, if you could sit somewhere and drink coffee and watch the world go by? Where are you going to sit? I think Tokyo. Good choice. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a favorite like travel view? So what I mean by that is, is it a beach? Is it a mountain? Is it wildlife? Is it a city? Um, but you can only mm. choose one for the rest of your life. What are you going to choose? Water. Uh, facing the, the east to watch the sunrise. Uh, okay. Very interesting. Do you have a favorite continent that you travel to? Um, Yeah, just coming back to Europe, man, it's so convenient. So uh, <laughs> it's so nice being back. Yeah, I guess I guess I would say Europe. Okay. And what about the friendliest people that you've met on your digital nomad travel journeys, if you like, you know, countries, favorite people? Mm, um, I think that there's no one more friendly than, like in Portugal, everyone is incredibly friendly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, or Mexico. I I don't know. Okay. But, hey, no. good choices. <laughs> <laughs> what about three favorite states, not including Pennsylvania? Oh, um, Oregon, Washington, and, and Montana. Okay. Is there a country that we traveled to that you didn't like? Or more specifically, a place that to be a whole country? I wanted to love Colombia. Because everybody talks so much about Colombia. Yeah. It's like the best place in the world. Um, and I guess I overhyped it was overhyped for me. And I went there and I was expecting it to like knock me over. And mm-hmm. it was a nice place, but I didn't feel the magic. Like everyone uh, talked about this magic in Colombia. And I thought it was nice, but no nice, not nicer than like Peru or Panama or you know, its <laughs> neighbors. So yeah, I guess Colombia was I mean, I would go back, but I expectations did not meet reality there for me. Interesting. Okay. The biggest lesson that you've learned from making the leap? Uh, It all comes down to you, I think. Like, if you're happy, it's not about your situation or your surroundings. I mean, sometimes it is, but at the end of the day, like, you control a lot. Of, like, your, your outlook on life is going to be the same if you're in a bad mood in your cubicle and you think my life sucks. Going to the, the being dropped in the Caribbean will make you happy for a little bit, but not for long if you actually are, un, like, deeply unhappy you can't fix that with a nice view but you can't fix it today with what you have you know you can work on it yeah that's like travel in a nutshell almost like a lot a lot of people say don't think travel is going to sort you out if you're unhappy about it could be Mm -hmm. anything right i think you need to go and get help and get that sorted out in sort of real life don't expect travel to sort that out you'll learn a lot from travel but i think if you're deeply unhappy or you have trauma whatever it is i think you need to get that sorted and don't rely on travel yeah, yeah 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 okay and the last question is talk about travel if someone just is a bit nervous right now or you know has never traveled abroad or internationally what words of advice and wisdom would you give for them to go make the leap and get out there I would say do what you have to do to to make the jump if you think like only hardcore travel counts but I'm so scared um take any expectation you have about like what quote like real or like you know, challenging enough. I don't know, take kind of any prestige or fake like ego out of it. And if you're really that scared about going somewhere off the beaten path, go to London, go somewhere easy, go somewhere in the US if you're not, or Canada, go somewhere easy that feels easy to you and then go to the next place from there. But it is, I I don't even like to say it's as good as it looks because I honestly feel like it's better than it looks online. Like, If you make your dreams come true, like no like Instagram picture can depict 
that satisfaction and how like deeply that changes you to feel yourself make a dream your own dream come true it is it's better than you imagine so whatever you have to do to get over your fear do it and then yeah. come join us and come say hi if you ever <laughs> <laughs> there might be a picture in the show notes uh come say hi yeah oh yeah uh, absolutely actually one final question where are you going next? We're moving south from the Netherlands and we're looking at do we want to go over to Krakow and go south through uh, Bulgaria, Romania, Bulgaria yeah. that way? Or do we want to just go straight through south of Germany and then go to Croatia and spend the winter there? And so we're kind of we're going to let the Airbnb decide. We're going to find the nicest Airbnb on, <laughs> that we can for the price. We found one today. It was normally $6,000 roughly a month and it was on sale for $1,000. One five hundred a month, off season monthly discount. Off season travel, it's yeah, the way. and it's twenty five. It's only twenty percent of the original cost, but we followed up, and here it was booked for the dates we were looking. So, uh, uh, we're gonna let the BB the Airbnb decide, and then we're gonna find our way there, travel over land, and see which way we go. Yeah, it's very. We leave in ten days. We don't have anything booked, so we'll figure it love all it. out. Last minute, yeah. that's the best way to travel. Awesome, Kayla. Thanks for coming on to the podcast. It's been a great chat. I will be so fun. keeping in contact, asking you some questions. Yeah. Uh, you've been a bit of an inspiration because you're someone who's doing it. So, yeah, it's been a real, like, fulfilled chat. I uh, got a bit of travel in there, a bit of lifestyle in there. And, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you, James. It was so nice. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my Winging It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Winging It Travel podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode, as well as photos from the last eight to 10 years of my travels. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook, and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel Podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website, jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels, and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe, stay humble, keep listening, keep traveling, and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James. Cheers.